Welcome back, friends. Last guy here, and we're doing another Basically Podcast. This is number 45. We're almost at 50. Wow. And today, we are talking with Titanium Steel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's like, whenever you want to rant, it's, it's time for a podcast, is what I've noticed. Like, I couldn't get... <laughs> I'd like to get other guests, but it's the holiday, so it's hard to get people sometimes. And so, yeah. you want to talk about Wonder Woman 1984... Yeah, and a lame joke someone said was like, "World War eighty four? There were ninety three. There were eighty three more wars after the first one, and then <laughs> uh, the other ones you want to talk about Tenet, and then after that, let's talk about whatever we want. So straight right. up spoilers coming up. Uh, just yeah, yeah, and just skip at your own risk to see what else is in here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I don't. I don't think it's one of those things. Like Wonder Woman 1984, I feel like people wouldn't really care if they got it spoiled. It's not the movies. That's the thing. This year, the movies were so their big. The big release was kind of bludgeoned. You know, like what do you? Mm-hmm. There's none of these movies were came out the way they were supposed to. So at this point, I think everything is spoilerable. Gazelle got streamed for the most part. Well, Tenet was in theaters. And I don't even know if Tenet was the biggest box office hit with 56 million. No, <laughs> no. I'm I pretty know. sure Sonic was. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, I feel like you have to put the category of pre the virus and post the virus. Pre the virus, yeah. I think Sonic wins. Post, maybe Tenet, because Tenet's the only big movie that came out uh, that wasn't on a streaming service in, uh, initially. But yeah, before the virus, we got we got Sonic. So we had something good before that. And you can yeah. argue it's a monkey's paw for somebody. <laughs> like, they, we got a good Sonic movie, and then the rest of the year was crap after that. Was it, was it good? I have not seen it. Oh, it's, uh, it's as far as video game movies go, it's pretty good. As a Sonic movie goes, it's pretty good. As a movie movie, uh, oh my god. There's some things that are so bad it's good about it. <laughs> okay. Um, there is a... The product placement is in your face, and I feel like it's it's funny how in on the nose it is, and it, they they just had to know they were just how on the nose they were being about it. It's funny what they do with the product placement, but you can be very cynical about it too. At the end Did of the day, you like Jim Carrey? Uh, Jim Carrey is really good. Like the leads are really good in this. So the voice actor for Sonic, whose name I don't remember right now, uh, Schwartz. Um, he he's on DuckTales. Yeah. Um and he's really good as Dewey in DuckTales as well. So it's basically Dewey Duck as Sonic. And if you like Dewey Duck, he's really good in this too. He's a very yeah. entertaining Sonic. I like him a lot. And Jim Carrey as Robotnik is just him having fun, which is something that's rare these days with Jim Carrey. He's actually having fun doing this role. And it's like it's definitely just Ace Ventura got older. That's really what it is. He's not as... He's not doing the butt stuff anymore, but he's just being wild, and it's pretty funny. It did, it did seem like he was letting loose. Mm-hmm. So it's an enjoyable movie, but it's it's the run... You, you already know what the, what's going to happen in this story kind of thing. Like it, it just plays by the numbers. But it was still entertaining for what it was. Like... If you're going in there expecting the, the greatest mo- uh, video game movie of all time, you're not going to get that. But it's up there. Yeah. I think 
Well, vid that's not even a high bar. Um, I think the best video game movies are probably Detective Pikachu, Sonic's right. up there, the original Mortal Kombat's up there. And then they've after that, better. I don't know. Well, they've definitely gotten better. I think it's because it's just after, I don't know, two decades of just people hating everything <laughs> that's been video game movies. Maybe they're going to finally do some work with it. Like, But then it, Monster Hunter it, happens, so I don't know. Right, yeah, right, yeah, that's true. I'm not even going to count that. It's weird to me that video games have been so big for so long, and yet we're just now getting Hollywood to like understand what what is happening with the properties. You know, like so many so many of the the adaptations don't even fit with the games really, or, or understand the core of it. And I feel like at least with starting with Detective Pikachu, that one really understood the world and it, it was faithful to it. And it, it it did a good job, I think, of putting, uh, you know, those characters into a real life setting and aesthetic and whatnot. Well, like merging the two. It did. It did for sure. Because uh, I think video game movies from the start were just really cynical. Because the Super Mario Brothers movie was an extremely cynical movie. Holy crap! And it just went downhill from there. Because another one is the Resident Evil series is extremely cynical. It's not great. And then you got the U-Ball video game movies, which are just absolutely, I don't, I, they're not the best. They're not even like straight to DVD good. They're just awful movies. This is unfortunate. But comic book movies have done way better. Jesus. Well, okay, that's, eventually they did better. At one point it was only Batman had good comic book movies. Like, yeah. sure, people like the old Donner Superman, people like Christopher Reeve Superman. I guess one, two, maybe, no, not three. One and two, people love the Superman, and then three, four, and five, yeah. people just didn't care for. And then there's this gap, and then Batman, Tim Burton's Batman comes out, and that's pretty good. And then, I forget the, I forget the name of the second Batman right now. Uh, Batman Returns, I think? That people like that one, and then you hit Batman Forever, and then it starts to get a bit, a bit more cartoony from there. Yeah, it it that's weird to me though. I don't even consider the early Superman, you know, the the I almost said Keanu Reeves. <laughs> the Ke yeah, I don't consider the Keanu Reeves Superman movies as part of a comic book movie. Uh. Hmm it's part of that formula because it really did start with like x-men with how they they reimagined it is like we're going to be serious because that hmm. those superman movies it's too uh it, it just it's it's just from a different time it's just a completely different time and era you know and and just the the tone of that if you compare that with like the tone of any of the more recent superman efforts it's just it's completely different yeah. You know, you have to you have to be so much more dark and and gritty, and you have to be grounded in reality, and it can't be, uh, it can't just be like a wholesome endeavor anymore, because it, it's just a, I guess it's just a different time. I I think it would be interesting to see someone really do it. I mean, the two thousand six one, um, directed by a alleged sexual predator, uh, in Brian Singer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to do that, but I mean, <laughs> well, he is, whatever. Um, allegedly, yeah. yeah. yeah he, he allegedly is. Allegedly. is. Uh, yeah. The 2006, the 2006 effort was, and 
it's supposed to be a sequel to two, I think. The two or three. It's like he's trying to really? just be that Superman, like continue that story. That's uh-huh. what he was trying to do. Do you mean like spiritual spiritual successor? Well, it's called Superman Returns. It's straight up supposed yeah. to be just a sequel to it. Did I miss that? I will that, say yes. It, I have <laughs> I have not seen that movie since, since two thousand six. So yeah. honestly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did they not do an origin story? No, it's supposed to be. That's why it's called Returns because he's coming back. Like, it's been, like, a full-on time skip. He's got a kid now. He didn't know he had a kid and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's been... it. Wow, okay. It's been ages. But yeah. that, that was close. That was close. That was close. But it still is not... It doesn't have that, um... Kind of... Oh, I'm here to save the day! You know? Kind of ho-hum. Goody two-shoes. Still not quite there. It would be interesting you know, to shot see in the eyeball. Yeah, like, that's the one shot everyone remembers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, saves the plane. We've yeah. had we've had the boys to riff on on that scene actually with the plane. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? There's no, you know, I have no leverage. It's just air. <laughs> yeah, um, it would be interesting to see someone tackle wholesome Superman again. That would be interesting because the whole idea is he's just so powerful that he can be wholesome if he wants. Like he doesn't have to be gritty because he's just that OP. Right. Uh, I don't know how you can tackle that because everyone wants grit now. So, right, I have no idea. Like that's a challenge you can try to take on uh, if you want people out there. I, I feel like the way you'd have to do it is just give him like put him in compromising situations, but not physically. I, I don't think you you can't. You have to make it so that he can't just do anything. He can't literally do anything. Because then he could just solve any problem. But if you give him like moral conundrums, basically, and it's like you got to pick one or two choices here, you have to navigate it somehow and, and find a way to maintain your pristine character through something that you know has seemingly no good option. I, f- I feel like that's the way you do it. They attempted that at the end of Superman, uh, Zack Snyder Superman, where he's like. Snap his neck, or he's gonna uh, kill his family. He's like, how, you just how about you close his eyes? Just put your hand over his eyes. I don't know. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I mean that was horrible. He had many uh, options. He didn't just have snack his neck. Uh, but yeah, like it's it's, actually, I just isn't it weird how no one thought of that? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he could have the amount of things he could have done. He could have picked him up in the air he could have moved his neck instead of snapping his neck he could have just like pointed it in a different direction yeah i just i'm seeing that scene play out in my head right now and it's so corny how he uh zod is like lasering towards him and then he like looks at the family and like the kids and he's like oh no the laser it's it's, it's so it just treats you like you're such an idiot like look what's happening he's got to do something and then you know he just kills him why yeah. and right in front of the kids that wasn't nice yeah well, the problem with that movie is, and the problem I have with Zack Snyder is, I don't think he understands characters. His characters. Well, he, he understands the characters how he thinks he understands his characters. Because he has that uh-huh. whole rant where if you don't think Batman kills people, you're wrong. Like, uh, I don't know, I've got <laughs> decades of proof that he doesn't. Except for original Batman. Original Batman killed a lot of people. But we haven't had that version of Batman for decades. Um, 
but he's like, if you don't think Batman's killing people, you're wrong. I was like, the, the whole point is he doesn't kill people. That's the whole freaking <laughs> point. That's, that's his whole thing. Yeah. The there whole there thing. is something to be said. There is something to be said, though, for the amount of uh, just physical force he uses, and you're somehow supposed to believe he doesn't kill people at times, oh, yeah. you know? Like, I was playing this Spider-Man game, uh, Miles Morales. Yeah just for a little bit and your character like you can grab somebody's gun and like bash them over the head with it and like the back of the skull and i'm just sitting there like this this is the most violent spider-man you've ever you've ever seen and you know he's killing people but you know they don't they don't treat it like that my best commentary on making superhero movies um like wonder woman one the first one is at early in the movie she's straight up killing soldiers she is, she's sorting them, she's shooting them with bows and arrows, all that stuff. Later on, when they do the No Man's Land scene, they purposely make it that she doesn't kill anyone, she's breaking guns, she's punching people, she's throwing people, but she's hitting them so hard, they're gonna die anyway. They're <laughs> like, oh, that guy's dead, that guy's dead, yeah. he's gonna die. Internal bleeding's happening to that guy. There's a sniper in one scene where she jumps up and just destroys the church hitting the sniper. I'm like, oh, he's extremely dead. Like, why are they purposely acting like she's not killing anyone? Really weird. It's going to be two years. It's going to be two years of uh, physical therapy before he can walk again. Yeah. Like, out of out of the trinity of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, the one who has no problem with killing people is Wonder Woman. So it's really weird. They're like, no, she's not killing people. No, no, she was killing people. A very odd choice to do that that's the that's the marvel conundrum where they have created an entire uh genre of movie basically they've created a formula and part of that formula is these movies are going to be ultra violent but they're going to have no consequences to the violence like literally none you know people will be punched kicked lasered blown up doesn't matter no one will die ever and you never see blood, you don't see gore, you don't think you don't see things snapping, breaking, you don't hear it. You know, it's just boom, oof, boom, you know, and they, they these are horrible sound effects. I don't know why I'm supposed to do that. But you see, you know, you see someone get punched, they get knocked across the room, the wall behind them breaks, but their spine is fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, they get stabbed and just it nothing matters in those movies. And the entire superhero genre has been infected by that where they want to be these kids movies essentially but they but they don't want to uh be honest about the level of, of violence that these films have it's actually it's kind of, i don't know it, it's it's upsetting to me and i'm not somebody who loves gore or anything like that i don't i don't want these like torturous uh body horror type things where you've got stuff flying everywhere i don't you know the boys is one thing but i don't really need that from everything i just think it's it's really disingenuous for this entire genre to exist where so many violent things happen and the entire the movie has to actually pretend like it's not happening in order to sell it to children like for example you had black panther right yeah black panther is a really violent movie but they were showing it in schools um at one point because uh you know the character was like basically like a symbol Mm -hmm. i understand that part of it but like when you're taking when you're like bussing in third grade kids to go see (laughs) an extremely violent movie where you know bad things are happening to different characters 
you know, women aren't necessarily being treated uh, the way women should be treated and, and other things, you know, there's like a, a terrorist plot. It's, it's just a lot to, to suspend my disbelief, you know, that the kids should be seeing this. Like, I don't, that's, that's a leap that I would not take. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, anyway, that's my long winded rant, but I, it's frustrating to me that you, you have this whole thing where it's like, all right, this guy's going to get punched 300 feet. He's going to hit a wall but he's fine. He gets up, you know, he's, he's fine. Doesn't matter. Any like normal people, they're not going to die. I think uh, it's, it's all about, I think it's really the, um, the writing and directing how much care they take to that. Cause I do think so, like there's different degrees, but like, um, yeah. In black Panther, people are straight up getting killed in that one. Like he's killing people in that. Uh, it's it's easier in a war setting. So like Captain America, he's killing people, but that's a soldier thing going on. So it's like acceptable to see that. Right. Thinking more like you got Zack Snyder. He goes a little bit more in the other direction where, yeah, there's things are violently getting damaged. And yeah. but then he's just to skip that. He just has. Well, he's just uh, Batman's killing people. He's just skipping that by having them kill people. Uh, I'm trying to th- I'm really trying to think of an example. Uh, right now in the more modern time. Like, one of them was one example where she's just doing violence. You, you cannot pretend they're not dying to her, but they're acting <laughs> like they're not. Like, I can't think... Guardian Galaxy is an example because they are straight up killing people in that one. Yeah. Like, Rocket Raccoon just murdering a ton of people in that one. Hayando um, is killing people. Suddenly I'm trying to think of what movie are they screwing that... Probably the Avengers movies are where they're messing that up, probably. There's probably a lot of violence in there that people should not be walking from. Well, they they're also killing in the Avengers. They kill either robots or faceless, nameless aliens. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they kill the Chitani in the first one, and the then what? they're they're called the Chitani in the first movie. Okay. Those aliens. I didn't know that. Then the second one, yeah, they're just killing robots, and that's partially the problem with the big budget movies, as you're saying. Like, there's all this chaos and destruction, everything. They don't really talk don't about care. the collateral damage. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the problem with uh, Civil War, where they bring up like, yeah, you know, all that rebel you were that you were blowing <laughs> things up, and some rebel killed my son. It's like, what do you want me to do? Yeah, like there's two sides. That one is they're literally saving the world, and two is there's rebel everywhere during their destruction, and it there's two ways. One is uh, the belief that they're just mindlessly blowing shit things up. And they don't care about the collateral damage. The other one is, how can they possibly consider every option of collateral damage when you're f- trying to save the world? Right. Rebels just killing random people. That's like the comment I make in just any movie where there's like a big explosion over a city. I'm like, oh, that's a bunch of random people dead from shrapnel. Like, <laughs> it's an unfortunate <laughs> thing. Yeah, there's a lot of just hand waving. Uh, like, just don't think about all the people who were horribly killed in these explosions. Yeah, I I just think from it's more of a my objection to that is is not even the fact that it's dishonest. I think my biggest uh, objection to it is just aesthetically. I find it very unsatisfying to see these physical moves happening and and uh, physical violence being done to these characters and or random people even not even just like the main characters because I understand you're not going to have every single time there's a fight you're not going to have captain america not you know in a, in a hospital or something or whatever i understand they're superheroes or whatever even if yeah. they should be taking more damage i understand they're not going to but 
just like the random characters that they hit i find it aesthetically annoying that you have superheroes like punching kicking stabbing whatever shooting these people and the the effect that you get on the other end like the visual feedback is is pathetic in comparison to the damage that they should be doing yeah that's all that's all. Yeah. I'm trying to think How, of an example <laughs> in the other direction, though. I'm trying to think of an example in the other direction where a superhero actually takes the care to not murder anyone. Like, in movies. And I can't think for ex- uh, too much. Like, Spider-Man, he does a lot of just webbing people up. He's not really punching people. Yeah. Like, I think... But uh, I would say that's that's a good example. Yeah, I think he might be the best example of not hitting people too hard. You should bring up my friends. He's just wrecking people. I'm just thinking, like, random citizens, yeah, they usually just get webbed up if he can help it. Or he's, like, dodging. Yeah, Yeah, it's a lot more dodging, throwing, and webbing, which I feel like, yeah, if you're a kid who doesn't want to kill people, that's really the approach to take. I thought you were going to say, what's what's the other direction where the the physical violence is really satisfying when it's it's dished Hmm. out? But I I was going to give the example of Zack Snyder, the Watchmen. I thought that was, the way they did that was was very satisfying because you're actually seeing the damage that these people would be doing yeah, for, to each for, other yeah. and the other random people. For me, for that, my only problem with that was when Owlman was doing it. Because I didn't feel like Owlman was the kind of guy who would break bones through flesh. Like, I understood Rorschach doing that. But I felt like Owlman was the softer side of those of that duo. Okay. So he yeah. would try to disable, he wouldn't try to just break a dude's arm through his skin. Like, I remember he punches a guy and the bone just goes breaks he he compound fractures a bone through his arm like oh jesus all right yeah i get that after ah, they, that wasn't in the movie i don't think no no it was in the movie when his mentor gets killed i get when he rage beats the crap out of people but pre that he's just getting back into it and even then i don't think he's got the strength to break comp- compound fracture people but i felt like that was too far for his character I didn't feel like he was the character that breaks bones. I feel like Rorschach was. Having watched the movie, all I know is I don't know anything about the Watchmen in general. I just know mm. what I know from the movie. And I think, yeah, that's probably true about him being uh, a little out of character because he's a softer guy. Maybe he maybe he softens up as time goes on more so. I don't know. Mm. But this is all what I'm basing off the movie. Yeah, like, uh, I, I think the violence should be... Like, I do believe that comic book movies have softened violence, despite there being so much of it. And that right, is, there's so much of it. And it's really desensitized people's understanding of violence. It really yeah. has. Like, there's a big difference between how real combat works compared to, like, right. how movie combat works. And some reality is good. <laughs> It doesn't have to be completely real. Like you can have a translated version of of violence. I just I find it upsetting the how routine everything is. There's so much violence, and it's just it's so easy yeah. and effortless, and, and the the impacts aren't there. Like someone was saying, the Winter Soldier has satisfying like yeah. combat. I agree. It was the, those fights were really well choreographed and everything, uh, but. I don't remember. I don't remember either. I feel like there was pretty good impacts, like when people would get punched or whatnot. But just in general, I'm talking about mm-hmm. there should be consequences to 
being in these fights constantly you know you should see somebody really beat up by the way is the owl uh is night owl was he like a weaker character was he the weakest one out of the like what's the the ranking of these in characters theory let's see here i think no one's powered up besides dr manhattan that's it like everyone's just regular human so silk specter is just a really strong human really night owl is a really strong human roshak is an insane human uh, like, Rorschach and Night Owl are the two sides of Batman, basically. Like, they're the okay. darkest part of him and the lighter part of him. Right. Uh, then you've got Dr. Manhattan, who is the super being. He's the god character. Um, he's supposed to be basically... Ozymandias is a human who's... He's supposed to be basically Captain America. Like, he's not... Without science, just... He's trained himself to be the strongest human possible. That's who Ozymandias is. Really? So yeah. his super speed... So he doesn't he's his super speed is just as fast as a human can go like all the things he does is okay. just supposed to be a human who's trained himself to peak performance that's what ozzy is so no one's powered up besides dr manhattan hmm. like no one's got magic or or anything special like night owl's no, specialty yeah. is the um uh gadgets that's his specialty is having gadgets <laughs> right but they all seem, everyone seems more capable than the average person, that, yeah. and even more capable than, like, the average bad guy, like, when they show them just wailing on people in the streets. Yeah, like, when they're destroying the prisoners and things like that. The, yeah. They're just supposed to be just really well-trained humans. That's really what it okay. is. I didn't know that. I thought they were actually super uh, superheroes to some degree, even yeah. if they were, like, lesser it's, it's, heroes. It's just all masks vigilantes. That's the whole idea. And yeah, it's just yeah, mass vigilantes. That's it. Okay. Oh, uh, John Wick. John Wick is not a comic book movie, but it's a pretty good. I consider John Wick movies like video game movies for video games that don't exist. They really feel like video game movies to me. Yeah. Maybe and... that's why I don't like them. <laughs> like they're just they're they're silly, but they're fun to watch at the same time because. Because Keanu Reeves put in the training for it, so he's really he does some pretty good just combat with that movie. I want to take that back though. I had fun with I don't know which one Halle Berry's in. I had fun uh, with that the, one. I think that's the third one. So yeah, at that okay. point, like that at that point, they're like, oh, "We know what we are. We know we're kind of a cartoony kind of universe." And yeah. so with her gun dogs, and it's, right. The it's kind of got power creep. I think the movie with the worst power creep, the most insane power creep, is Fast and the Furious. That has got some amazing truly, power creep. Truly, they went from just you know drag racing on the streets <laughs> to to superhero villains, and like <laughs> that's fascinating. Honestly, if you wanted to study pop culture, there's probably no better franchise to understand the shift in genres over time like what's popular mm -hmm. and understand what how, how the mechanics of, of movies uh change and everything and what what worked and what didn't in terms of big budget stuff because you went from this like smaller uh underground racing scene uh and then it ends up you know going overseas and you get drifting and stuff you get a sequel things get a little bit larger and then it's like heist movies mm -hmm. and then you get like uh big action stuff with you know uh, the rock and versus vin diesel becomes that kind of thing and then it turns literally into superheroes yep 
because that's what's popular. It's it's really incredible transform uh, transformation. It's just like it's superheroes that happen to use cars now, <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're just random people. Like right. Um, because you go from what is it? Um, in the first movie, the end of the movie, they have that big like they're both driving their cars at the end. Vin Diesel's got that muscle car, and he yep. flips the car, and he's like hurt, like his arm's broken or something. And then in like the fifth or the sixth movie, he does a chicken run, head on crashes into the other guy who's Jason Statham, and neither of them take damage. When that would have killed movie one, Vin Diesel, like that would have killed him. I know he was mortal at one point. They got hurt and stuff. That happened with the diehards too. Diehard oh, yeah. uh, John John McClane used to get hurt, and, and then uh, whatever I forget which one it was three or no four uh, four or five. Yeah, I think four. Like that's my problem with the John McClane movies is he goes from a human to a superhuman, and yep. when that switched over in the fourth movie, I'm like, I don't care about John McClane anymore. It was the fourth one, yeah. He, yeah. he lost his vulnerability because he's fighting. Uh, I can't remember his name. All of a sudden, the guy from Justified. He's fighting. Oh, James Oliphant. James Oliphant's the final boss of that whole thing, and he's fighting right. him, and. Yeah, he's just a superhero at that point. It's like, well, this is not as great. And my, as far as I know, it's all pushed from from Bruce Willis to just make him a superhuman character, which is very unfortunate. Like, he's just better as a human character, a guy who gets hurt. Because in the first movie, right. he's going through so much pain and suffering. You're really feeling for him as he's dealing with all these situations. And now he's just... He drove a car into a helicopter. <laughs> There's no, you can't you just oh. there's a point where you just can't really go higher than where it already is. You've already taken it to the the most extreme yeah. location. I feel like that's a mistake that movies do is where the sequel has the power creep, where it has to be bigger. Yeah. I think it's possible to be just the same line or even maybe even smaller, but if you know how to pull it off, you're good. Because if you just keep going bigger and bigger and bigger, there's a point where it's unattainable. It's just not possible anymore to go any further. Like the Fast and Furious movies have gotten real stale for me. Like, they've just become superhero movies. I'm like, well, I have comic book movies for that. I don't know. Though I did watch Cobb and Hobbs, and that was a fun popcorn movie for sure. I haven't seen it. Or Cobbs I, and Shaw. Whatever it's called. Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. That is <laughs> Cal, a popcorn movie. Did you think Calvin and Hobbs? <laughs> yes, yes. Calvin and Hobbs. Um, Starring Vin Diesel. <laughs> so, like, The Rock and Jason Statham are just just macho men in that and they have some funny lines it's just a good popcorn movie that's really what it is if you want to turn your brain off this is a good movie for that if you want to think that's not the movie for it. it's not not at all this is a time to not think because that movie is silly and the yeah. power creep is even more ridiculous than the fast and furious movies already and it's just good popcorn fun and uh what's his name Ryan Reynolds is in it, and he's hilarious in it. Oh, oh, okay, I did not. Ryan Reynolds is not, he's in it for maybe like a tenth of the movie, maybe a fifth, and he's really great in those those scenes, because it's Ryan Reynolds, he has the charisma for it. Yeah. I miss, I really miss the, the early Fast and Furious stuff. Uh, too Fast, Too Furious is such a good movie, I love it. <laughs> There's so many funny lines in it. And it just has so much charisma as a movie. You were talking yeah. about Ryan Reynolds having charisma, but that movie has an identity and it has a swagger and it has a 
there's just something warm and, and genuine and fun about it mm. that it it completely gets lost later on because it, it turns into a a machine and that really feels just like oh wow this is a this is a summer movie it's a little stupid a little you know there's, there's a lot of implausible stuff going on but it's fun it knows what it is and these characters the the chemistry between uh tyrese and paul walker that movie is amazing oh yeah really good chemistry so it's it's really unfortunate uh life imitated art or one way or the other and he just crashed the hell out of his car yeah really curious what that what would have happened to that series uh to those movies if that happened because uh, i think it was vin diesel was going to retire from those movies and he was going to just become the mainstay and he's not a Superman character like Vin Diesel's character, so it would have been a very different direct trajectory for sure. Wait, so it was going to end up being that it was just Paul Walker? Yeah, Vin Diesel was going to retire, and then Paul Walker ends up dying, so then becomes Vin Diesel's movies again. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, a, I don't know if you heard about this, but they, they had contracts. Uh, Vin Diesel and The Rock had in, in their contracts that they couldn't be punched more than the other guy. So they had to each get an equal amount of blows on each other. Yeah. So that they couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't like get out, out punched by anybody. Yeah, Basically, it's... they had to be the, the the tough guy. It's an unfortunate uh, what's the word here? Egotism between the two of them. Yeah, there, there's a lot of weird stuff going on between them. Like random fact to bring up is uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, the the rule was set in that. I forget who said who made who made it happen, but it was Mickey and Bugs Bunny. They had to have equal time in the movie. So yeah. if you used Mickey for some things, you had to use Bugs for some things later on. So the fix that they just like, well, just have them on the screen at the same time, and they'll just do the stuff together. <laughs> That's why you see them together, and any scene they're in, they're they're both on screen. It's like that just solves the problem. But it's very That's unfortunate uh, if you watch just the scenes of Fast and the Furious. They're not even looking at each other when they're talking to each other. Like, they don't have any eye contact. That's because they have different mindsets on how to do things. And and there's also egos there. Because, like, The Rock's, like, he get, like he's the busiest man in the world. He's always doing something. It's yeah. amazing how much crap The Rock does, how many TV shows he's doing, how much he's producing. He's doing a bunch of crap all the time. It's ridiculous. And then Vizel, Vin Diesel likes to wake up at noon and then work, apparently. So he's like, come on, we have all this time of the day we can do work and get this done. <laughs> but at the same time, I think you can give some like leeway to Vin Diesel because he's working on a project with his best friend died and everything. It's like not an easy thing to do. It, Were it they really best friends? He like everyone loved Paul Walker, is my understanding, because he was just that really nice guy. Yeah, I know, but, but were they, I, I didn't realize that they were friends. They were really well connected, is my understanding. Like, they called and talked okay. and all that stuff. Okay. So he lost someone important to him, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. That, yeah. that would take a toll, like, to just keep making these movies with someone that you were teamed up with for most of it. Oh, yeah. No, I imagine, I mean, I imagine if you work on something that long, you, you either have to hate the person or really like them after mm -hmm. a long time like that. Um, so yeah, that's your thoughts on Wonder Woman. <laughs> We're getting there. Right, so you watched, you watched, um, both one, the first one, which is just Wonder Woman. Yeah. Was there any, anything else? Was there anything after the, like Wonder Woman, the, the Winter Soldier? What was the, the full title? 
I think it was... I don't think she had a title. I think it was just Wonder Woman. There wasn't, like, the first Justice Leaguer. Like, like Captain America, the first <laughs> Avenger. Yeah. Just Wonder Woman. I think it was just what it was. Or... The funny thing is, if you won by years, you'd be like, Wonder Woman 2017. Like, what was the sequel? Wonder Woman 1984. What? <laughs> what? 1984, parentheses, 2020. Yeah. Did you, so, watching the first one back, because you, you had made the point that you thought it was better than it was. Like, when you first seen it, you thought it was really good, and then the second time you saw it, you were like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, so I think what happens is some. it's the whole thing of, like, this is going to be not the best example, but you just have someone who's, like, a seven, and their friends are fives, so they look like an eight. So, like, you have... So Wonder Woman was the seven, <laughs> surrounded by what? Uh, Batman versus Superman. That's a zero. Uh, and, like... Uh, the, the newer Superman movie. So she's surrounded by these other DC movies that are not that great. So yeah. she wants so she looks like a seven, but she t- becomes an eight because these other movies weren't that great. Yeah. By the way, it's amazing how there are people who are like Batman Superman was the best DC movie ever. And then they turn around and act like the Snyder cut's going to save the DC EU. So which one is it? Like, were these terrible and need to be saved or were they just great? And what the hell? But Wonder Woman looked better because the other DC movies just were not as good. And, like, between, true, yeah. between DC and Marvel, honestly, closer to my heart is DC. But you have to be real about the DC movie, the, the DC and Marvel movies. And the, the reality is, the Marvel movies are kicking DC movies' ass. That's, that's the reality of it. And because I get called, like, a Marvel fanboy, I'm like, no, I'm a DC fanboy. I just can be real about it. They're not yeah. as good as the Marvel movies. And an unfortunate thing about the Wonder Woman movie is watching it a second time. Like, the first time I was able to just get in it, I'm like, oh, this is entertaining and everything, and I like these moments, and and honestly, Chris Pine owns that movie. Yeah. Chris Pine has an amazing charisma about his acting, and he's acting the heck out of his scenes. Like, he he just... You believe his emotions in his scenes. That's what's important. Like, you believe that he is trying his best in these situations. You believe that he's like, he knows he's going to die at the end of this movie. Like, he's like, all right, yeah, I gotta, I gotta pull the trigger and die now. And like, you can, it just, the look of like, okay, yeah, trying to be okay with that fact and trying to bar, like just do the, the, the steps of just accepting his own fate was very, was very good. And I appreciated his acting in that movie. Gal Gadot does all right. Um, the thing about watching the first movie again is it reminded me about the characterization they're giving Diana. Like, she's supposed to be... She's a fish out of water. She's very naive about the world because she's never been there. And she has a more, well, warrior mindset of things where... Because there's a point when she's uh, berating a general. Because, like, you're sending all your men to die, but you're not willing to fight next to them and things like that. And it does remind right. me of the annoyance of war. Like, war is is caused by old men who who expect young men to die for them. That's really what war is. And it is an annoying thing where the generals are not on the front lines, only these young men who were either pressed into action or they believed in a greater thing. And so her annoyance of them, like, yeah, yeah, she should be annoying, then that's it all fits and everything. But the characterization of her mother, Hippolyta, is she doesn't want her daughter to become a warrior. 
from like childhood to adulthood, like childhood to teenager, they do this whole characterization of the mom does not want her daughter to become a warrior. She doesn't want her to train. She won't do anything. She's just going to be some nut. She's going to be like a scholar. She's like, she's like Chi Chi from Dragon Ball. She wants her kid to be a, to be a scholar. She wants Gohan to be a scholar. And in the second movie, what's the first scene we see? The first thing we see is like this Olympics thing, which looks really cool, but Diane is <laughs> in it as a child. And Hippolyta is all about this. She's like, you can do it. I believe in you. You And he's like, wait, no, the mom doesn't want her daughter to do any of this. Did you forget your own movie? <laughs> Patty Jenkins, did you forget your own movie? Because you wrote this one. Yeah. You directed the first one, but you wrote this one. You forget yeah. your characterization of the first movie? I don't understand. And Wonder Woman 1984 suffers from a lot of forgetting that all the other movies exist. Yeah. Um, but also uh, just forgetting the first movie existed. And there's just some good, there's some good action scenes in the first movie. And Chris Pine really owns that movie. And you give, I think you, you forgive Gal Gadot's acting. Cause it's like, Sure, this is her second or third, second time as Wonder Woman, but you know she's like, what other movies have we seen her in, and what other action movies have we seen her in? And she does all right. And then, so you for, are you forgiving her in the first one or the yeah. second one? So in the first movie, I was very forgiving the first time I watched it. Second time I okay. watched him, like she's not matching Chris Pine at all. Like she's not matching him at all. He's got this. He's he's owning this movie, and she's not. She's not keeping up. She was already. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of just <laughs> everything else in DCEU is not that great. So this is the best one here. So it became an eight. Watching it again, it's like it's a seven. It's just a seven because we've got more okay. movies now. And there. Yeah. I just thought of, I just realized what her acting reminds me of. Hmm. You know, when you like just wake up from a nap and someone starts talking to you and you're not quite <laughs> sure what they're saying? <laughs> that's what she acts like like and there's so many scenes where someone is telling her something and it's like not registering until like another half second or second like she's just behind i see and she kind of has that a little blank like look to her yeah <laughs> and i think it worked for the first movie because she's supposed yeah. to be naive and everything the second movie it does not work for her i didn't Honestly, though, I, I didn't. I didn't have a problem. There were people that had a real big issue with how her acting was in in uh, Batman versus Superman. I I didn't really think her acting was that bad, and I I didn't. I thought she was good in uh, Wonder Woman one. I haven't seen it recently, but again, I'm going off of my thoughts from last time. And I've watched I've watched clips since then and, and to brush up for this, but I didn't actually commit to watching the whole thing because I didn't feel like it. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I thought I thought she actually was okay. I thought she was good in the first one. Mm -hmm. Batman vs Superman was definitely weaker. I didn't really like her that much in it, but I didn't think it was terrible. Like people were saying, this is the worst worst acting ever, and I was like, yeah, oh, no. it's okay. Uh, in 1984, I thought she was she was okay. Like she's never gonna, you know, make me go, wow, that was terrific. Yeah. But she she's just kind of there, and she's and as Wonder Woman, I think she does a good job. She she embodies a lot of the the qualities that you would need for Wonder Woman. Like she seems she carries the responsibility of being Wonder Woman, <coughs> like on screen. Yeah. 
I think the only thing missing is the confidence of Wonder Woman. She doesn't really show the confidence of Wonder Woman, I think. Which is also a weird thing about the movies. Yes and no. When we get to the wish, that's where it really it's weird. Um, that was a weird thing about the way they wanted to characterize her versus the way she was being characterized. They kept the when she's training, they're like, "You have too much doubt," and she's not showing any doubt. She's showing overconfidence, which was it's. So in, I think she is confident one the in the first movie. She show like they're like, "You're showing too much doubt in yourself," but she's doing a lot of overconfident moves. She's not doing doubtful right. moves. So it was yeah. weird not going to different different directions there. And then yeah. you've got well the second movie where I, th- I think she's fine as Wonder Woman. And she's doing things. Hmm. Trying to remember. The other problem was that movie was very forgettable. Wow. Uh trying to remember the action sequences. Like the mall fight. Like the mall action sequence. Uh, she's kind of having fun in that one so yeah she does she is showing like she's being wonder woman the problem with that whole thing is uh like they're just having fun with it which is good but the the way that fight ends is weird in that two things one is she just dumps these guys on a cop car showing like oh i don't have any respect for the police what the hell is that about <laughs> i did think that too i was like wow nice uh, property damage <laughs> yeah i was like dick move there what's that about yeah. you don't like the cops because she could have yeah. just well, had them hey, in front of the cop car like it's like every time uh and the other one she goes like keep it a secret to the one little girl there when she's in front of a bajillion people at the mall like if she saved a yeah. little girl at the park or something, I get it. Or in like a, a like a store, and she was the only one in the store. But yeah. everyone at this mall saw her. Which that whole thing going on, the whole movie where she's just running around being a superhero. I'm like, how did Batman have a hard time finding anything about Wonder Woman? Because in Batman vs <laughs> Superman, just doing whatever, broad yeah. daylight, cameras doesn't matter. It's really silly because in Batman vs Superman. The only thing he could find about Wonder Woman was the picture from World War One. That's all he could find, which means he's not the greatest detective in the world. That's what it's telling me. <laughs> that's true. That really... He just did a Google search. That was his problem. Yeah, that's what happened there. Um, like, I like it that Wonder Woman's running around doing a bunch of hero stuff. The only problem is, because it's a prequel, later stuff's like, what? what do you mean Wonder Woman did all this stuff? Man, I'm really bad at investigating. But I do like that she's running around being a hero. Like, that's that's never a bad thing. Uh, yeah, that whole mall thing. There were five or six writers on this movie. Were there really? I'm just looking at that. I think the movie suffers from too many cooks. I think it was too many ideas, and they didn't cut enough ideas. And that's probably why it's so ridiculous <sighs> and such a mess. All right, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta put everything out there. Okay. So I, I really liked the first Wonder Woman. Mm. I really liked it. However, I mean, there's problems with it. I think the first two thirds of that movie, I really, really liked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was. I think Wonder Woman came out the same year as Black Panther, and so that was the big, the two big, uh, kind of like watermarks. You had the Marvel movie that was big, <laughs> and you had the the DC movie that was big. And it, it was the first time where I felt like, wow, DC has actually put something out that can compete. That is like reasonably uh, competent. 
<laughs> compared mm -hmm. to the rest of the stuff that they made. So I really like that movie. Uh, but the, the, the problem with that first one is they did the stupid thing where it's, we got to have a big CGI battle. You can't understand anything. I don't know why that DC does that more where they have a disgustingly ugly CG battle where it's visually just a spaghetti yeah. mess. They're just not learning their lesson. Just, yeah. Terrible. Oh. They've done that multiple times. I mean, Black Panther had the exact same problem, which was very weird to me. Uh, Black Panther had a more uh, nuanced or intelligent script with like interesting themes. Uh, Wonder Woman, I don't think the themes really interested me that much, but I just <laughs> thought it, as a superhero movie, I thought it was really quite good. <clears throat> okay, so 1984, though. Uh, I liked it. I liked it. I don't know why I liked it. I keep saying this, and mm. I think I, I am serious. I don't know if it was the mood I was in or something, mm. but it was terrible. That's the problem. It was yeah. terrible. I'm saying I liked it, but I'm saying at the in the same exact breath that I, I liked it and it was terrible. Yeah. It was it was a mess. I think just thinking about it right now, you had a bunch of different segments just jammed together you've got like the big opening set piece at like at a mall you've got a bunch of different secondary plots going on with a, you know like a side villain the villain it the villain's relationship with his kid um it, it just there, there's a lot of different things happening and all of it feels like it was just inserted in next to each other. It was like, all right, let's get this piece, and then we get this piece. And whereas the first movie, I actually felt like it was a one continuous work. 1984 does not feel like, I don't know if it's just me, but it feels truly like they were just putting things in, in grabbing a piece and just jamming it in the next spot. Grabbing a piece, jamming it in the next spot. They're, like, I mean, you're right. There's way too many ideas. It's too long. There's too many ideas. They should have cut some of this stuff out. And it, frankly, some of the writing was embarrassing. Uh, like, embarrassing. And I, th I think that's where people will probably push back the most against this movie. Like, we have to, we have to talk about the scene in which Diana, a Wonder Woman, who is the savior and is supposed to be this icon you know, this, this feminist hero, it's, it's representation and all that stuff. Like I'm saying this not because I don't think any of that's, uh, I don't think that sort of thing is important. I'm saying that sarcastically because I don't think it applies to Wonder Woman necessarily. <clears throat> I mean, if it does, it's just really, it's really, uh, cynically placed on, you know, I think people are taking advantage of that and at big studios and whatnot. Anyway, different different topic, different day. Uh, where was I going with this? What was I just... <laughs> Wonder Woman... Do we have to talk about the scene in which Wonder Woman, who is a icon, you know, feminist, she's like the good character, she does everything to save people, all that kind of stuff. That was the one thing I loved about the first Wonder Woman. She was a hero, and she liked it. She yeah. wasn't like Superman, who was this mopey jerk, mm. whose dad was like, let those kids drown. I don't care about them. You yeah, need to really protect weird. yourself. Terrible. Wonder Woman cared about saving people. She loved to do it. She had a joy. 
she would do you know she would at every turn she would just save anybody because that's what she does because she's a hero and heroes save people so compare and contrast that with wonder woman 1984 <laughs> in which diana is in a in a chase with a bunch of humvees there's like 20 humvees going down this road in egypt and you've got kids kids playing soccer or football whatever you want to call it yeah. in the street uh that in the road uh, as these humvees are barreling towards these kids right yeah you've got these kids that are in the way some reason they're being idiots and don't realize that the humvees are coming like really about to hit them they're all going the humvees are, are barreling towards them yeah and diana sees this and is like oh no i need to save them okay Keep in mind, at this point, she is losing her powers. She has no idea whether her powers are going to work or not because mm -hmm. she is rapidly losing them due to a uh, you know part of the plot, you know, a plot device. Yeah. So she looks, sees the kids in the road, thinks, "Oh, I'm a superhero. I need to save them." So what does she do? She looks to uh, Steve, her uh, you know boyfriend, whatever, romantic character. And says, launch the missile or rocket or whatever it was. So Steve, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Steve literally launches a rocket missile, whatever it was, towards children. <laughs> this is real. So kids are playing in the street. You got cars running towards them. She looks at Steve. She's like, Steve, do it. Launch the missile. So she has Steve or whatever launch a missile rocket, whatever it was, yeah. towards children. In literally at the children in their direction and then lassoes onto the rocket <laughs> to bring herself closer to them which she then throws the rocket away she just uses it to get the speed so she does successfully not kill them with a rocket which would have been so horrible obviously yeah, yeah. but just the idea to even do that especially when the context is egypt you know and and mm -hmm. you have this you have this american uh uh doing it you know steve is american and yeah. you've got uh the the idea of just hollywood inserting this where it's like yeah we're just gonna launch a rocket at kids like that just in general that visual uh in that general area of the world is troubling to even to even like throw that out there is is wow yeah and then to just launch the rocket at the kids lassos it okay so she throws it away that's fine she saves them woo but she actually does lose her powers in that moment. So not only was that a horrible idea because she lost her powers, but the actual consequences of that, she doesn't really save them in a way. She kind of just falls on top of them. And speaking of consequences, I mean, those kids should have broken something. Mm -hmm. She should have seriously hurt them, but she just kind of looks at them as like, yeah, hey, you're fine. Yeah, gives them a the thumbs up. Uh, and then there's the whole idea of the, the added layer to it where uh you know gal gadot uh her background you know right. israel you've got that that whole piece to it and mm -hmm. just what is what is going on there you know this is like an all pr stunt kind of like in the middle of a movie you know i don't even need to get into that just to just mm -hmm. as a character as a decision making that a hero would make that makes zero sense and that was laughable and just terrible. Like, who thought launching a missile at kids, you lasso it to get a speed boost, you throw the, the rocket away, it blows up, and then you just fall on children, literally falling, I don't know, 50, 60 feet. 
and just yeah. landing on kids to save them from Humvees because they couldn't get out of the road because they were going to get run over. I don't know. I don't know if you laughed at that or thought that was as absurd. I wish I could find the clip. It's not around. I've tried finding it, but I think they're taking it down when it gets uploaded to like Twitter and stuff. Because I would love to watch that again. Here, let's see if I'm making sure I don't accidentally. my I can just bring up the stream of it. <laughs> um, oh. While you're talking, I can bring up and look at the stream. Obviously, I'm going to mute this thing because I don't want this to get demonetized. But um, I swear he shoots it at the sky, but if he's shooting at the kids, holy shit. I still thought well, it was ridiculous. Okay, no, 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 In the no, no, first no. place, it's ridiculous anyway. Like, I, she's yeah, going to get speed from a rocket? Yeah. From, a, right. from like a bazooka thing? Like, are you kidding me? That's what you do. It, it wasn't literally fired at the children, but I'm just saying it was in the direction that you could see a scenario where it comes back to Earth and kills them. That's all. I don't know how the mechanics of that specific yeah, missile rocket. Shoots it up into the air. Okay, so going back a little bit before it. He's like, oh no, there's children running in fr into the street playing fuck freaking football. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing, children? <laughs> You are Darwin award-winning right now. <laughs> and then, yeah. That's okay. realistic, though. Children do that. Yeah, that's true. My sister ran in front of a car once, almost got run over. So, okay, so he shoots her, He shoots one into the air. She grabs it with a lasso. So apparently those are powerful enough to pull people. She throws it away. It is going towards the children, though. Yes. It is going towards the children. Like, it might fly over them, but it's still in their general direction. It's way too close for comfort. That's all I'm saying. You don't launch yeah. rockets at children. And then she flies over. She grabs the kids. They're in the air, and then she loses her grip, and then they fall. Yeah, okay, yeah. Right. I had that sequence a little mixed up, but yeah, she lands yeah. on them. Let's see. You're watching, watching. It's mostly her taking the taking the hit on the ground, but the kids do take a little bit, yeah. I mean, they roll. What I remember is them rolling, right? Yeah. Doesn't she roll on top of them at one point? She grabs them, she rolls, uh, she, they fall on top of her, and then she's on top of them a little bit. So they still okay. should take some damage from that physics, yeah. Um, it's a silly scene. It really is. And this thing I was thinking about is, like, she was, she is Israel, like, she was in the Israeli military, because I think everyone has to be in there for a little bit. It's kind of like Korea, where yep. you, everyone has to serve. Yeah. And that is something I didn't even think about. I was like, yeah, having her be the superhero symbol and then doing that in the Middle East, very interesting to do that. Or in Egypt, actually, I mean. I think it's in Egypt. Right. Well, that's still... It, it was at the time, yeah. That yeah. area of consideration. Um, Just yeah. like the kids are too close for comfort, you know, you shouldn't be launching rockets. <laughs> yes. That is a silly idea. It's like... She wouldn't be like Darwin's choosing right now, but uh, I know she's got to do something, but wow, that's an interesting choice to make. Shoot a rocket at kids. Yeah, it, it is going towards those children. Like, it might miss. But do you really want to make that gamble at the end of the day? I mean, that's just one of many writing decisions that I did not understand at all. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of writing... Let me think going down the line of it. Uh... I mean, you said you pointed out the one of like just the stupid hush to the kid kind of thing. He was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. What? <laughs> There's sometimes movies where they're like, oh, this will be great. And it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't, no, that doesn't make any sense. What are you doing? I think you're literally, like the forest for the trees, I think you literally have a tree in front of you and you can't see anything else sometimes when you're with these movies where they just can't see how that's a really dumb thing. I'm going to bring up another movie real quick. Real Steel. Don't know if anyone watched that movie. 
It's the one with robots boxing, and I enjoy it. But at the end of the movie, Hugh Jackman wants to tell his son he loves him, and the son says, don't worry, I'll keep your secret. What is... That doesn't fit at all right there, because it's a callback to the kid singing it to a robot earlier, saying, I'll keep your secret, robot. And he says it to his dad who wants to tell him he loves him. He's like, just let your dad say he loves you. What the hell? It's supposed to be this Wait, weird he said, I'll moment. keep your secret about what? Because his dad wants to say, I love you, son, or something like that. And he says, don't worry, dad, you don't have to say the actual words. I'll keep your secret. Like, <laughs> that doesn't work. That's a weird callback yeah. to make. And just Hollywood has these weird callbacks in movies like that. Right. Or they there think it'll be really callbacks. good. Um, but like, uh, just that, yeah, this, the same idea here is like, she goes, yeah, keep it a secret kid, uh, to the little girl. <laughs> and it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> She's yep. in the mall. Her TRing three security cameras isn't enough, by the way. Um, is, let's see, 1984, I think VHS tapes around, exist around that time, so there might be tapes of her in the mall at that moment. Like, there's stuff yeah. Bruce Wayne should have found. There's stuff Bruce Wayne should have found, basically. At the very least, way too many people saw her. Yeah. Um, to, to, someone would have had a news report about her. And just the big elephant in the room is is just like, remember all that crazy stuff that happened in 1984 that we don't talk about anymore? Remember when... When there was this dude had cows and like a giant wall showed up in Egypt and and there were nukes in the air. Remember when that happened? No, no one remembers that. Okay. Yeah, like, that's the movie yeah. establishes that people still have memory of the wishes. They didn't. They didn't get mind wiped. That incident yeah. happened. I'm like, uh, did Bruce Wayne wish for his parents back? <coughs> and did two random strangers show up at his house? Is that what happened? <laughs> I want to get on that really quick. Um. It's an interesting thought, but... Okay, okay, the whole wishing thing. Yeah. The problem with wishes is you can do whatever you want and they still did it bad. Uh, because they didn't even follow their own rules. Um, the In what sense? They, part of it was they wanted to do specific jokes. Like, this guy's like, I wanted to farm, but I didn't think I'd have cows just right here. Or things like that. But the whole idea was... It's a really smart idea, I thought. Where the guy's like, I want to become the monkey's paw. So, because the monkey's paw is, you wish for something, you get that, but something bad also happens. But usually it's supposed to be, like, kind of ironic what happens with these monkey paw wishes. Like, that's supposed to be the hook of it, of the monkey's paw. It's, you wish for a thing, but it's kind of BS what you got. Right, it, like, takes away the thing that that you actually want or something like that. Or it takes, it limits your enjoyment of the thing that you actually wish for. So, like, a bad example would be... Like, say, just, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So, uh, Viagra is a monkey's paw in that uh, it, it lets an old man get up again, but the monkey's paw is, sometimes he just has it for four hours, and he's just like, what the hell am I going to do with this thing? Like, it's that's what a monkey's paw is supposed to be. It's supposed to be that. There's supposed to be consequences to your wish that are related to your wish. So, Steve Trevor... The monkey's paw should have been what it was, and that is, she got her man back, but he's in another guy. And that's, there's ethical questions there, and that's very interesting, but she also loses her powers. They did not explore that at all. They explore that a little bit. Like, Steve Trevor is the only one who actually cares. He's always like, you know, I'm in another guy. I, this, like, he's like, this can't last forever, and he knows it because he's in someone else. He's in someone else. He knows he's. This isn't his body, so they can't do this forever. 
And he slowly hints at that at different points in the movie. He's like, yeah, I know I can't be, this can't be me forever. The problem yeah, with that is... He realizes it's wrong. He's yeah. the first one to realize it's wrong. And the problem with that is uh, she got two consequences for her wish. She got him in another man's body and she got uh, her powers limited, which is odd. Like, you sh it should be only like one of these things happens. Because the problem well, with the wishes is the wishes just create things. The wishes just create nukes. The wishes just create cows. The wishes just create things. Why didn't the wish just create a Steve Trevor? And I think that was just two different fair. ideas happened there. I think yeah. one idea was the ethical question of Steve Trevor in another man's body. And another one was, what if it limits her powers? And this is a problem of superhero movies in that not all of them have done this, but it is a trend that has happened in that... In the second movie, the hero loses their powers, so we can have a yep. really cool they get their powers back moment later on. Spider-Man 2 does this. Batman 2 yep. does this. Uh, I can think of... What's another sequel that did... Oh, Superman 2 did this. In the original Superman 2, Superman gives up his powers for Lois Lane. He's just a regular guy, and he gets beat up at one point. And then later on in the movie, he gets his powers back and wrecks that dude, and everyone loves that moment. <laughs> and so we get the same with Peter Parker. He loses his powers because he doesn't have confidence anymore, and then he gets his confidence back. The, and that's he the fights best Darkout. version of it. Yeah, I think that is the best version where he's losing his powers because he's just doubting who he is. It's also yeah. weird, but it's also okay. Uh, and then Batman is he wants to retire, so he's building up Harvey Dent. He's trying to get Harvey Dent to become the White Knight of Gotham. That's the entire point of that movie. Is he's trying to create the hero that Gotham deserves. And so he's just trying to retire, and okay. then yeah. Joker blows everything to hell. And he becomes the hero that Gotham needs. And so Wonder Woman is another example of that same shtick. And I swear to God, if Aquaman 2 is Aquaman losing his powers, I'm going to be annoyed. <laughs> um, but they do the same thing here, because there's that cool moment when she does get her powers back. It's really cool seeing her running and being powerful again. But it, mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't good getting there. Yeah. Um... Because the problem was it got muddled by Barbara's wish. Because Barbara's wish is, I want to be like Wonder Woman. So when Wonder Woman's losing her powers, I thought the monkey's paw was going like, oh, it's just stealing her powers and giving them to Barbara. But their wishes are actually yeah, unrelated. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, what is this mess? <clears throat> the, writing, the writing is really the weakest part of the entire movie. Yes, I agree. Um, you, had, you had the, uh, what's Catwoman, what's her name? Uh, Cheetah, Cheetah, Barbara, something. I can't remember. Uh, Barbara Minerva, which is a Greek name. Okay. Cheetah. So Cheetah, you had that character who <laughs> they show her, they show her not being able to walk in high heels or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like a she's like a klutz with glasses. Mm -hmm. And then and then when she becomes uh, Cheetah, and she gets she wishes for basically to be Wonder Woman. Then she's able to walk in high heels, and yeah. she has agility and stuff. And but that's how they show it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then she doesn't need glasses anymore. It's just it's a wreck. It's really it's a wreck. Sweet. But I liked it. I don't know why I keep saying this. I I think I enjoyed Pedro Pascal uh, bleeding. Oh yeah. When his when he was having nosebleeds and his ear was bleeding, I liked every time that happened. I was like, "Wow, this is a great movie," <laughs> and, then, yeah. and forgot about the rest of it. I honestly don't know what was going on with me when I was watching it because I keep saying I liked it, but it was horrible. So like, what's I keep saying that a, a tighter version of this movie would be a good movie. I really feel like there's potential in there. Like because they have like six writers, like one or two of these writers they, were actually were making they? something. Who, the only ones I saw was Patty and uh, this guy named 
Jeff or something. It's Patty. It's like Patty Jenkins, and then like four or five other names. Let's see here. Wonder Woman. Jeff Johns. Okay, the screenplay was by multiple people, but the actual story. Well, which is which? That's a good question. Jeff Johns, really? Jeff Johns is okay. 2020, 1984. Because it wasn't just them. Do I have to go look at the credits of this movie real quick? Jeffrey Johns. Who's that? There's only, I see three. I see three. I see three people credited for the screenplay. Johns. Trying to see if I remember the correct name here. Oh, Jeff Johns. Yeah, Jeff Johns. He served as president. I think Jeff Johns is supposed to be like the guy who keeps a, who keeps everything straight for DCEU. I think that's who Jeff Johns is supposed to be. President of Creative CEO, CCO, Green Lantern. He's a guy. <laughs> yeah, okay. comic book writer, screenwriter, tele- film and television producer. I think they were trying to make him the Feige of uh, DC, if I remember correctly. Like Kevin Fahey, or however you pronounce his name, uh, uh, is the is the guy who keeps right. all of Marvel straight. So I think they right. tried to make Jeff Johns the guy who keeps it all straight. But I'm just gonna open up the movie again because I swear the credits are like a bunch of names for the writing, and now I gotta find it. But it feels like there was a better movie in here because Pedro Pascal acts the hell out of his scenes. Um, like he does. The, he hammed it up towards the good. end, but it it was mm-hmm. good. I actually I liked his performance a lot for the most part. I just think that the way that they wrote him with his son, I think, was done poorly. But I agree. By the way, he gets he no consequences good. at the end of that movie. Yeah, no consequences. He almost ended the world, but it's okay. Yeah, and then we we get no confirmation what happens to him. None. Like we all know that. Like the world saw him and made wishes through him, but uh, who knows? I mean, everything got reset, right? No, it didn't. It just got undone. Like, there's no, there's no mind wipe. There's no rewind. All they did was undo the nukes and undo the wishes. (laughs) That's the interesting thing. Is this would be bold if the movies that happened later in history didn't happen? (laughs) It was like, oh man, the world got wrecked. Yeah, first of all, the, the the wishes were kind of all a variation of the same thing, almost. And Oh yeah, a bunch of people wanted like nukes. Three or four people wanted nukes, and I, I, I understand that, you know, that was kind of the era, but also some of the people asking for it, it was, it was just so generic and lazy, stereotyping, basically. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there was definitely stereotyping. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got this guy, you know, in a bunker with an AK somewhere in the Middle East, and he's just like, I want nukes, please. Yeah, I want Iraq to have <laughs> nukes, like, okay. I think he said, like, something like that. I'm like, okay. I want nukes to destroy my enemies, yeah. you know. Or like, it, at one, I think at one point, didn't somebody say infidel? Yeah, the wall guy. The wall guy. Remember the wall guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the guy the, that raised the giant wall? Yeah, the king of crude. Yeah. All that stuff was whack. Um, they, you know, another thing actually, because so this just speaks to, so we've had the insensitivity of launching a missile at children. We had the insens- insensitivity of um, 
kind of Gal Gadot, you know, who she is, her background, and and that scene. Yeah. The insensitivity of some of those wishes. Uh, they were honestly kind of like, well, oh, okay. oh, 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 let's not forget, let's not forget the Irishman. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to oh, say. Okay, yeah. okay, because she's like, I, I, they should all send you all back to your island. And he's like, I wish you're dead. And then literally cops with paddy wagons, the paddy wagons. I could not believe they made that joke. I'm like, are you kidding me? The Patty Jenkins wagon came rolling in. I was like, you got to be kidding. That was silly. So, yeah, you have those insensitivities. Also, if anyone has seen this movie, I don't know if this struck you this way, but I thought you could tell immediately who wrote it and what their sensibilities were because they they did the stupid Hollywood thing where it's it's just bad writing that Hollywood likes to do sometimes where so they took Barbara, who's white, and they gave her a friend, right? They gave her someone that she knew to, like, show you that she's a good person yeah. and that person was black and homeless and oh, the way yeah. the existence of that character i don't remember his name i obviously don't remember anyone's name from this movie but <laughs> but the existence of that character and how they were used in the story were i i found it pretty offensive honestly um because he only shows up when she they need to say that she's a good person just just the dynamic of that where it's like oh you've got a white person oh look she's giving food to this guy who's black and homeless right after by the way i want to point this out right after she was uh basically assaulted or you know attempted assault by some random white guy like the just the racial uh politics of it and and the uh, politics of it in general i found to be really awkward yeah and mishandled and it was just like you could tell whoever was writing this whoever was doing the bulk of the writing is not somebody that you would trust do you know what i mean it's not somebody that you would trust to handle a lot of these more sensitive or delicate things like they didn't have anyone looking at it like oh maybe we should look at that differently maybe there's got to be another way to do it yeah you know, okay uh, okay so looking at it again it's only three people all right so i think i just saw those names just saw there were more names okay so it's just patty jenkins jeff jones and dave callahan which means did all three of them write their own script um that okay okay because that's what i mentioned too is I felt like, yeah, the homeless man is a very weird thing where, yeah, she's got this black homeless man she talks to. Yeah. And he only shows him two scenes. One is, hey, and then she gets, almost gets sexually assaulted. Hey, I'm a good person. Here's some food. She almost gets sexually assaulted. And then later on in the movie where it happens again, but she's a superhero. So she just straight up kills the guy that that almost assaulted her. Now, whether or not she should have, I'm not going to say because, you know what? That's this isn't really my conversation, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, the homeless guy shows back up right then, yeah, and is like, "Hey, are you okay? Whoa, what's going on? You know that yeah. kind of thing." There and there was a callback. I forget exactly what it was, but I remember eye rolling at it. They they used him for as a callback in a uh, way. I maybe he's maybe to just, just be the fact a reminder that he, she used to be nice. Yeah, I think that was it. He he's like Barbara. What happened to you, or something like that? 
Yeah. Just some just some stupid line. So much bad writing. Because Wonder Woman tells her, her what her monkey's paw is. <clears throat> Wonder Woman's like, look, you want to be like me, so you got my power, and you got my popularity, apparently. <laughs> like... It's that whole wish is weird, but like she got, she wanted to be like Wonder Woman. That's literally the wish is I want to be just like Diana. That was yeah. her wish. I want to be but that. That's what she wanted. But the only way, problem is Diana's power, also good. Yeah, but <laughs> the whole idea is the monkey's pop. But Diana tells us the monkey's pop part is you're a really nice person, but you lost that. You're not a nice person anymore. That's the that's the drawback of the wish you you made. And then they make it she becomes a cat person later. Which I thought becoming a jellico cat could have been the monkey's paw. Instead it's not, for right. some weird reason. Yeah. Because I guess it wouldn't be ironic. Um so she gains all this all these good properties, but not the goodness that comes with it. Which is like, okay, that's an interesting irony to go with, where power corrupts. Like that's a simple that's a simple monkey's paw, power corrupts. Yeah. I wanna go back to that scene really quick though. Both of them. When she almost gets assaulted, Wonder Woman just shows up out of nowhere and saves her, which means Wonder Woman was stalking her for some random reason. <laughs> but in the second one, she's jogging, and it just reminds me, this is something I hate about about us in general and that catcalling's a thing. I do hate that catcalling's a thing. So she's running, and guys are catcalling her, and more guys catcall her, and then that specific guy catcalls her, and she turns around, and then she beats the crap out of this guy. And mm -hmm. it's like, what woman doesn't want to beat up a cat collar, right? But she beats the yeah. crap out of him, and she kicks him back down the path she ran. Suddenly, no one's there anymore. None of the guys who were cat calling <laughs> her are anywhere when they were just hanging out. They weren't, like, on the way to things. They were just hanging out, which is really weird to me. And the only other person there is the homeless man. He comes running over. He's like, oh, that guy's messed up. Barbara, what's going on? Like, yeah. she's like, stay out of this. And he's like, what, Barbara, what, what's going on here? And just to remind her that she was a nicer person. That was the idea there. And, like, the like I thought just the monkey's paw was power corrupts. That's it. But her, the wish she gains is weird. She's like, I want to be like Diana. So suddenly she's really good at, at wearing high heels. Suddenly everyone <laughs> wants to talk to her, which we don't get that from Diana. We don't get people who are, like, they're encapsulated by her. Like, we don't That's get true. that. But for yeah. some reason, now, like, she's getting things that Diana doesn't get. And partially, I was like, I would have accepted this a bit more if she was not Kristen Wiig. Because Kristen Wiig is a very attractive person. If they gave us an actually, an actually ugly person who's getting a, sh a ton of attention and everything, it's like, okay, yeah. magic's working. Because to me, it's like, yeah, if she just was, if she just worked on herself a little bit, she'd have this anyway kind of thing, because she's already an attractive person playing, trying right, to play right. ugly, which is kind of offensive right. to ugly people. Because, <laughs> uh, like, if she just had better fashion sense, if she just did right. her hair better, like, it's it's kind of an 80s lesson that we moved away from, which I'm happy with, <laughs> where, you know, if that girl with glasses so and trophy. her hair up took yep. that off, she'd be great. Like, she's the man or something like that. Yeah, that's um, terrible. There, it's a very bad they, trope, and they did it. There was a lot of just outdated stuff that they were doing. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> I guess it fits because it's supposed to be set in the 80s, but... Mm -hmm. There's a reason why we don't talk about The Breakfast Club anymore. Like, there's a reason why we don't talk about those movies like we used to yeah. anymore. Yeah, realize... Yeah, oh god, Revenge of the Nerds. Like, our right. sensibilities now are different from then, which is why... Not going to go deep on that, but just that's kind of one of the problems with cancel culture is when they go after something someone did 20 years ago. 
Right. That was 20 years ago. That was a different sensibility. But However, people should be canceled that. for what they were making in the 80s, quite frankly. It, 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 at the end of the day, it depends on what it is. Right. Um, but yeah, there were some a really well bad things A well-thought-out script might be worth canceling someone for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, there are some crappy things you... That, that are worth canceling over. And there are some things like, well, people evolve. So it's 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 a case-by-case case kind of thing. But with this movie, it it felt like they were required to be two and a half hours long, and they were just putting stuff in as well. And they just didn't work. Because that was the thing, was I looked and I was like, wow, this is two and a half hours. And I look at Tenet, wow, this is two and a half hours. <laughs> is that just a requirement now? I remember when yeah, 90 minutes was a requirement. A lot of movies are too long now. If you if you ever see a, a, a good movie that's a little on the shorter side, it's, it flies by. And they have all these movies now that are just, for no reason, way too long. Yeah, there's something to appreciate about a movie that when they don't do any wasted scenes. Yep. Um, I can't remember how long... Uh... Well, we talked about uh, from the Korean movie... Um... Oh, Parasite? Yeah, Parasite. That didn't feel like a wa- Nothing really felt wasted in that movie. No, there's no fat in that movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's two hours and five minutes. But... Okay. It's, but still, it feels it feels tight. Um, That movie went by. Parasite really went by. Uh, it's two hours and twelve, but yeah, same mm-hmm. thing. And then I'm trying to think of... I think it was Mad Max was like 80 minutes or something. Which is yeah. so rare. It's so rare to be a to short the movie. Point. Just straight to the point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it suffered from being too long. And it it feels like two ways. One is if they tightened it up, it could have been great. And another one is if they just made it three hours, they could have filled in the gaps that screwed some things up or just oh. made them better. I can't. Actually, no, no. I don't think you could make it better with making it longer. But it felt like there was too many yeah. things going on. Like, there's not <sighs> enough time to make you care about Barbara. You just don't care about Barbara. She only exists for the third act. That's really all she existed well, for. She was there. They just didn't She's... really. It, it was. She was there for maybe five minutes as a normal person, and then yeah. she instantly becomes Superman. I really liked her character up until like the wish. Up to that point, is she gives Diana a character to be friends with. They're really hitting it off. Like she likes her. She likes Barbara. Because you could ignore. Uh, too... <sighs> She's you too could, klutzy, though. They, they honestly went for that trope, that klutzy trope. They they did. They literally just did the trope, and it's really annoying because that trope doesn't work. Um, they made it yeah, that she's forgettable. That... Sorry, go ahead. I mean, they made it she's forgettable. Like, her boss forgets who she is. Like, how do you forget this person? I, I think they, they went too far with it because the part where Wonder Woman's like, oh, you're so cool, that felt like <laughs> patronizing you know oh yeah it did because like, she does <sighs> uh this is a problem movies have and even shows a lot of properties have and that is they tell you a character is something without showing you there's something yeah and in that scene like you're, you're complaining is yeah she says barbara you're so fun and this and that she's telling us she's these things because they just had a fun conversation instead of just giving us the fun conversation mm-hmm uh, yeah, I think it suffers from a lot of them telling us things, not characterizing things. I think Kristen Wiig was well cast, but I, mm-hmm. I think they lean too heavily 
for sure on oh i'm sorry i'm such a like <laughs> messed up or whatever you know she had a bunch of characters on snl like that yeah and and so i think i understand why they would cast her in the role for that but having said that it's a stupid trope they went too far with it and her character her wish doesn't make sense how you know what happens because diana that's the other thing they give her like her physical attributes when she says i want to be just like diana yeah but they don't actually give her her emotional or you know her her character too which is weird because in some respects they did right because they tried they tried to say like oh yeah now she's popular she's got charisma Mm -hmm. or maybe it's just a side effect of being physically uh impressive or whatever yeah maybe maybe that's what they were trying to say like oh yeah it's just she's a superhero now and she's you know can wear heels so now she's popular yeah it's all very high school Mm -hmm. it's it's a high school student's understanding of what makes someone interesting or or how somebody becomes popular it's like oh yeah they can wear heels now they're cool yeah it's very surface they don't have glasses they don't have glasses they're like super cool now (laughs) like you don't get it like Barbara used to be lame but then she stopped wearing glasses and she got her hair done and now she's one of the cool ones it was very surface level for sure uh, interesting way it could have been taken is what if she just became a second Wonder Woman? I don't know how that would go, but she just literally, literally just becomes like either a clone or just becomes just like her. Same fashion sense and everything. Like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> but uh, that w- I don't think that would work, but it'd be an interesting bush for the monkey's paw. Like, they do some really bad things. Like, another one is just the random Mayan expert that shows up for a minute and then disappears. <laughs> She's like, we need to figure out where this came from because this is God language. She's like, oh, this is an interesting mystery. Oh, random dude next to some store, some electronic store, has a book yep. from his family from centuries ago, somehow has this book from centuries ago, which is amazing. And she reads like, oh, snap, it's this villain. And then they just move on. <laughs> that's such a that's such a DC thing to do. The DC movies constantly do that where they mm-hmm. have a scene that is so unnecessary. Like incredibly unnecessary. You'd never see the character again, type thing. They, I swear, they've done that in almost every DC movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can think of a few. Um, but just yeah, it's not, it's not great. It's not great. <laughs> not great. Um, everything with Pedro Pascal's character, minus his kid, works. Right. I think. Like, yeah. Uh. Because that is such an interesting concept. Like, I want to become the monkey po- monkey's paw itself. I get to decide what is the positive version of this wish and what is the negative part of it and make it be something that works for me. Where, like, a sentient monkey's paw is what he's going for. I'm like, that's an interesting idea. It's kind of silly what he does with it, but it's at least an interesting concept they tried to explore, so I'll accept that. Yeah. Because he's like... All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you all this land. And you're, I mean, you're gonna give me your oil. I was like, well, I already sold the oil. All right, well, then I'm just taking your your men, and then they just get mind controlled to be as men now. And he's like, uh, I'm gonna give you all the nukes you want, Mister President, and I'm just gonna take all your power. I was like, all right, that just happens. Okay. That was really abstract, though. I didn't understand how exactly he did that. I guess people listened to him. That was that was what they went for. But yeah, it's like how does that extend outside of the Oval Office? That's a good question. Like, because unless you know this person is the president, why would you respect them? I suppose. 
is a good question. Uh, and they don't know who he is. They, right. unless they just magically know. And that's just another problem with the movie. It's not uh, like he became the president. Anyway, I don't even want to think about that. That's such a stupid... <laughs> stupid uh, the movie's too stupidly written to get caught up on uh, hypotheticals. Yeah, and then he magically but, finds his son, by the way. Yeah. But, but hmm. having said that, Wonder Woman 1984, for some reason I kind of like it. Hmm. I think it was mainly just the nosebleeds, and that's it. Because... Yeah, I, there's really no other explanation. I like Pedro Pascal bleeding yeah. out of his nose and his ear. He's a good actor. Becoming becoming more and more disgusting looking. <laughs> yeah. All these like, nasty I, I, physical things yeah. going on. I like that there were consequences to what he was doing. I mm-hmm. thought, I really thought he was going to turn into a stone at the end. <laughs> I thought that's what they were going towards. He's like, he's hurting because part of him is just crystallizing or something. I thought that's where he was going. And then he just rescinds the wish, and now he's okay, and he has his son. Like, well, okay. They do. Okay, nice. Oh, oh, sorry, what? Like they, they just really quickly, like, oh, he's sympathetic, guys. He's sympathetic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll right. just believe yeah. you. Yeah, I, I love my son. I love my son. Even though, get out of here! I don't want to see him right now. It's a it's Saturday again. It's my <laughs> turn. He was yelling the entire movie about he hated his spending time with his kid, and then yeah. at the end, he's like. Oh, I love you. He was like, what? What? There's there's nothing telling us. There's nothing that tells us. Like, the whole movie told us that he doesn't like ha- having a son, basically. And there's nothing that tells us that he actually is just secretly does care about his boy. He's like, no, it's just, I don't like spending time with my kid. And that's it. <laughs> and then we get to I, see I, that he had a crappy childhood. That That's it. I enjoyed seeing a character though in one of these movies that was a complete fraud, and that and that was his entire character is this slick back hair kind of car salesman type, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And and I haven't seen Homecoming because I kind of boycotted Marvel because I was just bored of them. Mm. Uh, those movies by the time that that one came out, yeah. Like I'm just done with Marvel after the entire Avengers, you know, arc. Uh, but yeah, so I didn't see that movie. Apparently, the villain in that one is similar, but I don't think from the clips that I've seen, it oh, doesn't quite home. go across. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Far From Home. What did I say? Uh, homecoming. Oh, yeah, I meant, sorry, I meant Far From Home. Yeah. Um... The villain doesn't seem to be that kind of, you know, slick and silver-tongued. In a different way, he is. It, like He's more of like... Yeah, I really like Pedro Pascal's car salesman stick. I like that. Um, for honestly, I'd say the villain for Homecoming is kind of like a, a a charismatic Steve Jobs kind of character. Yeah, kind of yeah, like far that. from home. Mm-hmm. Far from home, he's kind of like that. Yeah, and it's it's a fine movie. Like that's a fine movie. Uh, far from home's a fine movie. Like. Uh, I forget his name. The guy playing Spider-Man, he's pretty. He's pretty good as as a Peter Parker character. Tom Holland. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Holland's a pretty good Peter Parker character. Uh, it's it's a fine movie. Like it's fine to just take a break from Marvel after Endgame. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I'm uh, tired of them. I'm like tired, I, just, I, I'm, I, I was tired before the last couple movies. Mm-hmm. So maybe around the tenth movie, I was probably tired. Dang, because there were twenty movies in that whole thing. There were twenty-one movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, Infinity, me, I... uh... 
<laughs> Sorry, I keep turning. I was just going to say Avengers uh, Ultron. That was the one that killed it for me. Uh, I really, Aspen. really like, um, I forget his name right now, um, the actor James who played Spader. Ultron. Yeah, James Spader. He acts the hell out of his scenes. I really enjoy him as an actor. Like, he yeah. has this control. Like, he can control the stage. That's what I really like about him is when the camera's on him, the camera's his. That's what I like him as an actor. That's why I... The only reason why I watch The Blacklist is because he's such a good actor for that. But then even so, that show got too silly for me. But I think he's a good actor, so I liked him as Ultron. Because he was just... He just played the heck out of Ultron. Uh, but it wasn't the best movie. <laughs> Ultron no. wasn't the best movie, so... Killed it for a lot of people. I get that. I enjoyed the whole ride. Uh, maybe you, you could argue with the whole ride. Uh, depends on where you say it starts. If you say it starts at Iron Man, but if you say it starts at Hulk, then maybe not. Well, no, Hulk being in there. Um, no, I enjoyed the ride. I enjoyed the evolution of where it, went, where it was to where it became. But I'm good taking a break right now. Yeah. From Marvel, like that was a ten year, that was a ten year run and there's highs and lows and i have a whole series just recapping that whole thing and it was it was good seeing them all again and just seeing like uh where the potential was and what they follow up on and things like that overall i'm glad watching the whole thing just going from start to finish on that because that was kind of an event a 10-year event to do but i'm good not doing that again <laughs> or i don't know not doing that for a while because Obviously, they made so much money, they got to do it again. And DC has been trying to do it, and they've been failing to do it. Yeah, it seems know. like their strategy might shift, though. It might shift more because of the heroes that they're going to be dealing with and the stories. They, I think they all seem smaller now. Yeah. I could be wrong, but the, it seems like they're more of a going for a, like the B tier, and it's mainly because they're going to shift to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it's interesting what they're going to yeah, do with they, that. and Yeah. I don't know how that's going to go. Because none of the shows have come out yet. Oh, actually, I think Wonder Woman, WandaVision finally comes out, right? I think. I don't remember. Yeah, um, sometimes, yeah. I don't know. I think... I really don't know. I didn't Disney Plus shows that will somehow tie into the movies. Yeah, right. That's kind of an annoying thing. Is There's going to be a bunch of Disney Plus shows that you have to watch for the movies. And, like, I wasn't able to keep up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I don't know. There's there's the Hawkeye show, which might still happen. There's WandaVision, which is happening right now, I think. Loki's getting a it show. All, it all seems boring. I don't oh, know. yeah. Miss Marvel's getting a show. There's one more. And, like, as much as I enjoy the Ugh. movies, <laughs> I don't want to watch any of this. I don't know. No, I don't either. But I mean, it'll some. There's a certain type of person that will watch it all. So oh yeah, like I want to watch it all, but I also feel like I don't want to watch it all because like <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed the series of movies. I enjoyed that whole run, yep. and it's like that whole you got to watch it to keep up with it kind of thing. But I don't. Yeah. At the same time, I don't want to. So I don't know. I think I'll wait to see if anyone says it's good and then I'll watch kind of thing. <laughs> it's like the same thing with Disney. I'm not going to watch all these spin-offs. Like we talked about it before. Yeah. I don't really care about watching Ahsoka. I like Ahsoka. I'm not going to watch her. I don't really care about her show. I don't really care about watching Boba Fett. I don't really care about the bad batch. Um They're tr they're trying to maximize their profits. Yeah. 
That's fine though. I mean, I it's put on put on Disney Plus if someone wants to watch it. I'm sure there's. I know some oh, of yeah. my friends are so excited about all this crap. Like one of my friends was saying, I I thought it was really lame that the end of the season two finale for Mandalorian you had a post credits teaser for a new show yeah. and it's just hey this is coming out in 20 days or whatever it is i i thought that was stupid and and mm -hmm. that completely undermined the emotional weight of the end of your uh the end of a season and the end of an episode and the end of an arc basically i agree my my friend my friend was like no no i thought it was cool it was a cool way to announce it i was like this is the I problem don't... of uh i think it's I don't. I can see both sides of it because I'm a Star no, Wars you have, fan. No, you have to but... pick. A, you have to pick a side. You have to pick a side now, and it has to be the right side. You can't get it wrong. <laughs> Gun to your head. You yeah, have to yeah. pick the right answer. Well, the right answer is it's stupid and cheap. That's the right answer to it. It was really cheap to put it in there. Like it was very cheap to put a teaser for another show at the end of a show. Like you don't do that with any show. That should not be a thing at all. Yeah. Like, the only teaser that should have been there was, like, here's what's coming up with Mandalorian 3. That's it. Not some other show. That's not okay. You gotta show respect to your shows. And it was not... I did not find it respectful to put in a teaser for another show at the end of Mandalorian 2. Yep. Even if I was not a like Boba a, Fett fanboy, I would not want that. Not even, like, a Boba Fett will return thing. It was literally a scene, and then you had the date that it was gonna come out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't. I find that disrespectful to a show to do that. To like, hey, check out this other one. Yeah, no, that's not, that's not all right. That's not right. And it was, it was like you had the end of the episode, then you had the credits, and then five seconds into the credits, I think something like that. Yeah, something like it that. It went, it went right to the the post credits, post credits, but it was really like before the credits even happened. Yeah, I if, think. if we're spoiling Mandalorian for anyone, oops. Um, you had your chance. <laughs> Uh, Although, uh, did I mean, did we spoil it? Uh, we only spoiled it. Actually, we didn't spoil anything. Because that teaser is nothing that there's special. There's a TV show. Yeah, there's yeah, a no. show. Yeah, we didn't spoil Mandalorian, forget it. I didn't mention what happens at the end of it. I thought the way it ended was fine, but it also worries me at the same time. Uh, I checked out. I it, checked out. Okay. I think you're you're okay, too. I really, I don't, I think when season three happens, if it's great, then maybe someone will mention it to you. But if no one mentions it to you, that's fine, too. I think that was a, it's fine to check out at that point. Somebody, um, I'm sure I'll, I'll figure out if, from somebody if it's going to be good or not. But, yeah, yeah. uh. The, I think early on, I, after that third or fourth episode, when they started going and mm -hmm. setting up different shows, I think that's when I lost interest, and I I, ha I never got it back. Mm. And the the eighth you. episode, the eighth episode was not what I wanted to see. I think the the ending was interesting, and it's a cliffhanger, and it's like okay, because and that actually mattered. That yeah. mattered to me. But <clears throat> to me, the seventh episode was the strongest episode of the entire um, season by far. Uh, that was that the it Mayfield was, episode. That was the one with Bill Burr's character. Okay, yeah, I don't yeah. know if that... Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, the Believer. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was good. Bill Burr surprising was... people with his acting ability. Yeah, that was my favorite for... I mean, I like Bill Burr a lot, but mm -hmm. not not for that reason so much. It just... I thought the... His character, what his character went through, you had, the, you had a lot of things going on. You had a heist uh, that was exciting and engaging. Mm -hmm. 
and then you have like the inside the heist scene you have the, the heist kind of going wrong and you have this like ptsd like uh symptom in, in bill burr's character yeah where he's having these flashbacks and you know, the the general or whatever he was captain yeah, yeah. saying the really disrespectful things about people he really cared about that died mm-hmm. and and that guy that guy acted his tail off that was incredible that oh yeah the captain, full, full believer in what he's saying oh he was so gross and just perfect though so mm-hmm. evil sounding and and not overdone it was just wow this guy is awful and then and then bilber's you know character snaps yeah and uh and kills him it's like wow okay mm-hmm. and you saw the rage and, and sadness on his face and he's struggling to comprehend everything and he still hasn't dealt with it and he just he kills him mm-hmm. great scene that was good yeah it's it's also interesting just there were heroes for a minute and then they're they're the well they took them all out too oh you mean like when they came into the base yeah when they came in they're the heroes and then when yeah. they leave they're they're the ones who ended them like like damn all right it was very interesting they doing were- that there was some interesting stuff too with you had all these like Humvee type vehicles going through villages where they didn't belong and yeah. you had people like throwing rocks and stuff at it mm-hmm. and yelling things and like saying how they shouldn't be there and getting dirty looks. It was very much visually reminiscent of you know the American occupation over there, over in like Iraq. Mm-hmm. Just uh, American forces being over there. Yeah. <clears throat> It was, it was a good it was a good episode yeah is there any more complaining but, about wonder woman no no i think we're with, good with wonder woman i felt like there was a bunch of stuff too many ideas they tried some interesting things mm-hmm. some things they tried i wish they didn't try and they didn't it wasn't smartly done at all with tenet i feel like it was smartly done to its downfall essentially to me i watched that movie Mm -hmm. and first of all there's so much exposition that i I can't believe speaking of too much fat and then not you know trimming stuff down the first i don't know 45 minutes is just people talking to each other and you learn there's another guy that you have to talk to it's just that scene mm-hmm. times 10. It's like, I need some information from you. And it's like, no, 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 you don't need me. You need another guy. I Go see that guy. Here's this guy. I'll tell you all about this guy before you see this guy. Okay, now go see this guy. God, so the guy, goes and sees, the guy goes and sees this guy, and the guy's like, okay, yeah, I'm not the guy either. But the guy that you need to see is a different <laughs> guy. I'll tell you all about him. Here's what he looks like. Here's what he had for breakfast this morning. On and on and on and on. And then you finally go and see that guy. And then you see that guy, and you realize that's not the guy either. You got to keep going up and up and up, and it's just—it doesn't matter what they were doing, mm-hmm. how they were doing it. It was completely ill-advised. I'm very shocked to see that that was in the movie. Usually, I don't—I can't, I can't say that Christopher Nolan has had that problem in the past, where it's just people who are keep talking about what the movie is about and yeah. what you know, just <laughs> extra stuff that didn't need to be there my throat's dying i we've been going for two hours um i feel like since i just watched it last night um 
if you want to give an excuse, the excuse is I think the spy world is just a lot of that. <laughs> you just got to climb up the ladder one person at a time. And I think it was conveying that. But as a movie, you probably don't want that. <laughs> it wasn't it's... engaging, though. Christopher oh. Nolan's never had that problem to me where I, I usually think he does something. He's engaging, you know, and that that whole sequence was not engaging. I was I, I was agree. actually glazing over. I wasn't paying attention to what was happening. After the third person or second person that that happened to, mm-hmm. I was out. I was out of the movie. I, <laughs> I came I back agree. in. But... Like, I agree that it's a lot of you need to go. Yeah. But you just said it was like, is he is when he got to like the arms deal? He's like, this is not the guy. It's this one. I was like, are you <laughs> kidding me? we're doing and he's got to go to another person and yep. it makes sense because yeah you would you if you're following breadcrumbs you're following breadcrumbs but at the same time like jesus we're following breadcrumbs uh i don't know i think you could either way on that it's it makes sense as a spy thing that you're not going to directly get the big bad from the start right. like you know like oh we all know who the big bad is he's right there it's like it makes sense that you got to follow the path over and I assume that's just what was happening in the writing in his head. He's like, he's writing, he's like, okay, well, he's got to get to this person. Well, who are the steps to get there? And instead the, of finding step- a shortcut to there, he just yeah. did all that. You can bring up Inception? The, no, but the steps the, you usually oh, steps. see, the steps you usually see are quick. There, there's variation. And or a montage? Yeah, either a montage or there's a variation to it. This was literally the same setup every single time in the same conversation and actually it took about the same amount of time it I, you know I, i'd have to measure it out i don't know the exact number but it to me it seemed like the exact same time was spent the first time he thought he had the right person to the second time to the third time and i think it happened either four or five times mm-hmm. but either way that's that's kind of unacceptable to spend the exact same amount of time doing the same thing that's literally just talking about somebody who's not in the room yeah. Only to then go meet them to talk about somebody else. Mm-hmm. That it, like in a movie, a gen or anything, any creative thing. If you show an audience something and they know what to expect, the next time you do it, you have to shorten it. You have to find a way to do it quicker mm-hmm. or to do it differently. Otherwise, it's gonna make them zone out. And and Christopher Nolan made a really rookie mistake basically by um, telling and not showing. First of all. That's literally the number one rule of anything mm-hmm. in film is you're not supposed to just talk about the thing you're supposed to show. And so he just goes and has every every character talk about other characters and describe them for you. And then the second thing is he ends up doing it where you have the same sequence four or five times in a row in the span of 30 minutes or something. It was a really long sequence. Uh, and and every single time it felt roughly the same length, you know. And I, it's fine that if you wanted to show, oh, you know, you can't, you got to keep going to the next piece. There's another piece. There's another piece. But you never understand what the organization is. That's you know what the chain of command is. Mm-hmm. These people that he's looking for, you have no context. It's all abstract, and a part of that feels intentional. You know, you've got the main character who's literally the protagonist. Mm-hmm. That's his name. Yeah uh that's too like that that whole idea that's too that's that's christopher nolan being too cute for his own good i i think and the 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 organization you have no idea tenant you have no idea what it is what it does the protagonist never really finds out 
there, there's a lot of things that he just kind of pushes off to the side and says, oh, don't worry about that. That's not important. And you, know, you even get that explanation with the time, the, uh, the, the time uh, traveling type stuff in the yeah. film where he says, don't think about it. You often get that line in time travel movies because if you think about it, it breaks down. Mm-hmm. So they, they oftentimes will like use that to justify it. felt like a lot of things in the movie he was saying, don't think about it, just keep it moving. Yeah. But at the, if you're going to do that, if you're going to say, hey, don't think about this, you have to have something to fall back on. And really, what were the characters in that movie? Because you don't get, uh, there's no connection that I felt to any of them. Now, I could be wrong, yeah. but I didn't feel... I didn't feel like I understood the protagonist. I didn't feel like I understood Robert Pattinson's character. I didn't. I understood the Russian character, but that's just like a stereotype, yeah. you know. The complete. That's you've seen him in you know how many movies before that that's he didn't even try at all. That was not original. Uh, the wife character, you know the the wife of the the arms dealer guy. The, was was she interesting? I didn't I didn't feel like mm-hmm. any single character was interesting at all. But I love Robert Pattinson, so I didn't mention him. Uh, yeah, I like Robert Pattinson. I th- I like the main two. Um, you got very subtle hints of characterization. Um, but I th- I feel like well, you get their names. Their names are just things. So he very much is telling you these are tools to my plot. The plot's what's important to me. These guys are probably maybe the second to bottom of the rung or the bottom of the rung. The dialogue might be bottom of the rung. Like the big idea is the most important thing to him. Even the music and the sound effects are more important than the characters. I feel, <laughs> um, it really feels like for Christopher Nolan, these characters are tools. I can go back to inception about that too, where these characters besides Cobb, I think no one else has names. They're like, they're the actor. They're the architect. They're these things. They're just pieces to the, to the things and it feels like the same thing here where everyone is a tool to tell this story that he wanted to tell and who knows when he wanted to think it like this is definitely a concept he wanted to do he wanted to try to do it and and here it is and i can guarantee with anyone watching the movie or just thinking about the movie he's thought about the movie more than anyone else has Hmm. like there are probably a dozen whiteboards that he was working with (laughs) trying to understand what he's trying to do and he put a lot of thought into it, but at the end of the day, I think he cares more about the concept and the plot than the characters who are conveying it. They were just tools. They and that's his problem. That's yeah. the, that's that's my problem with the movies. So yeah, my my friend Lewis made a a really good point to me when we were talking about it. Is that there's a big difference between the movies that Christopher Nolan writes and the mm-hmm. ones that his brother writes that he adapts and the ones that he just adapts from somebody else. He is so much better at identifying what's cool and interesting about somebody else's work mm. uh, and then making it into his own interesting idea and, and evolving that. He's a lot better at doing that, for example, because the the other movie that he wrote, one of the other movies that he wrote was uh, Inception. And that movie, again, I haven't watched that movie since it came out. And it, to me, it feel, at the time, it felt very cold uh, emotionally. I didn't have a strong uh, emotional... Like it's it's almost there, but it's not quite there, and it oh. seems like he struggles with that a lot. And what you're saying about character, like he just completely avoids it by using the, you know, uh, what do you what do you want to call it? The, the, just the nickname kind of placeholders, yeah, for names. 
it, it seems like he just really doesn't know what to do with that stuff. And he and what I said on on Twitter was like he he gets so obsessed with the gimmick of the physics of the world and with the, the the gimmick that he's going for. Okay, you got some people going forward, some people going backwards. That stuff is really cool, but at the end of the day, you need strong characters. If if they don't have names, they need to at least have, have like yeah. reasons to care about them. Like, um, the protagonist. The only characterization we have about the protagonist is he's trying to understand what's going on. He's our straight man. But he also does care about innocence. They hammer it into your head that he really cares about not harming innocent people. Because he says it at least at three different occasions, like, no innocent bystanders, right? You're not going to kill the pilots, you're not going to kill... Like, when they do the, the, the plane stuff with those guys acting like terrorists, he's like, you're not going to kill the... the I, I want you to not kill the crew. Like, yeah, we're just going to have them go on a slide and get out. He's like, on a, they're going to be safe going down that... Like, he really cares about them not killing people. He does that multiple yeah. times. And he shows he's a competent spy because there's a point when he gets caught and they're like, you told him where he's like, no, the first rule is to lie. <laughs> it's like, all right, so he's a competent guy. <laughs> but that's all he is. He's just this competent character. So he's not he's not really he does his stuff. Well, Robert Pattinson is he's a bit of a more fun character. Uh, there's the scene when he gets the when he takes the mask off and he sees it's the protagonist. He's like, oh, snap, and he gives him the mask back. And you can see he's like, oh, okay, all right. Like, his character's a lot of, like, I know I'm in this stuff, and I just have to accept it as it comes. And he does show that emotion. You're like, ah, oh, shit, give me your mask back. I gotta go. I know I'm, I know I have to do whatever now, because, whoa, that's happening. And even at the end, he's like, yeah, we've been doing some crazy time shit forever. Now it's time for me to go do the next crazy time thing. It's very much the... He's a man of the present. He's very much in the present. He's very much, well, I know I got to do this next thing, so I'm going to go do it. And he that's just what he does. He keeps his head down and moves on. He keeps his head down and moving on. So he's a man about the present, whereas the protagonist is very much a man about the future. He's like, well, can we screw with it or not? Can we do these different things to mess with it? And you could argue the villain's a man about the past, who's very much stuck in, uh, well, I don't have much time left, so... I'm going to go back to when I was happiest and when I die, everyone dies with me kind of thing. <laughs> and so, like, Pattinson's a fun character in there in what he's doing, but um, aside from just uh, good performances, there's not enough to maybe give a damn. I did not give a kid. I did not care about this woman too much, whatever no. her name was. Like, but I could tell, like, because going in, knowing there's time stuff does affect some of it. Because she mentions there's a woman who jumps off the boat. I'm like, oh, that's going to be her later. And the only mystery that we knew was going to come up later was, well, because it's just Chekhov's gunning you. When he gets his life saved, he sees a dude with like some like keychain thing on his backpack. And I'm like, okay, who's that going to be? That's going to be somebody, but who's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And then we see who it is. I was like, oh, okay. I assumed we were going to go back to the opera house at the end of the movie. I really yeah, assumed I was, we were. I, I, you never go back to that, do yeah. you? They hand wave. They hand wave that, which is the, a bit of a problem. With, I think no one went, you know, we'd be another half an hour long if we go back to the opera house. Let's just end it here. Yeah. That's what yeah. it felt like. So he just hand waves like, yeah, we've been going on adventures for years, man. It just started for you, but we've been doing this for a long time. 
And I accept that, but it's not the best to deus ex it a little bit like that. But I accept it when you when if you're going for this whole time thing, sometimes there are things outside the story that have to happen because it's a time story. And if you wanted to establish all that stuff too, it's gonna be a longer movie. Yeah, um, you have to give him some credit because the movie didn't completely fall apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a complete disaster. He he is skilled enough at putting together really convoluted things. I because I, yeah. I struggled. Some people credit him with being uh, very complex and and being a genius and all that, but I honestly think he overcomplicates his own stories a lot of the time, more so than. Uh, he's so brilliant that what he's like what he's dealing with doesn't have to be as hard as it is to to make it work but i think he gets his in gets in his own way a lot of the time but i think what makes tenet it didn't fall apart so i I was impressed Mm -hmm. by that like at least you know by the end it it wraps up too cutely kind of but it's weird or it's impressive that he manages to get things to the point that they are and not feel completely shoehorned in yeah i think what makes Christopher Nolan special is he does have a really good eye for cinematography and music. Like his style with music is interesting because you know usually in a movie the music's there to play with your heartstrings. It's there to mess with your emotions. It's there to when a hype moment happens. It's there to help you get hyped. When a sad moment happens, it's there to make you get sad. It's kind of a cue. Music is kind of a way to tell you. It's it's it tells the audience to clap. It's like that sign that says, hey, audience, you should clap now. So music can tell you, hey, this moment is sad. You should feel sad. But what he does is music is a character kind of thing. Like music is part of the narrative. Because the first scene of the movie, I could tell. Like what was interesting is the music plays backwards at certain points in the movie. Mm-hmm. And when they're going forward and music's playing backwards, it's a clue that backward shit is happening at the same time. So the mm-hmm. first scene of the movie at the opera house is being played in reverse. That music, the opera house, they're, they're tuning their instruments, it's in reverse to give you a clue that this is going to happen in the movie. In the car chase scene, we get a little bit of that before it actually happens. We're like, we get some backwards music. I'm like, all right, so this is telling me some time shit's going to happen here. And then later on, when we get the other side of it, the music's playing in, in forward. And so it's something he does with music where he likes to do... Uh, music as a clue or music as a character in his stories. So you have this, like the big battle scene at the end is the music is being played forward and backwards, depending on whose perspective you have, Hmm. which was fun. And what makes it even more fun is knowing who made that music. It was the same guy who made the Mandalorian soundtrack. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. Ludwig is whatever his last name is. Yeah, he's really good. He's really good at his stuff. Um, so it was really cool to do that. Like an, another movie to use examples, Inception. Inception, he's using the music as another character. When they're in the dreams, it's that one song is being played through all three levels. And you hear it at the speed that he wants you to hear it as. Which was a very interesting usage of music there. So it's it's just a nice touch he has there. And I think positive and negative of Christopher Nolan is... He's at least the, he's the guy who's trying to do crazy stuff and trying to make it work. And sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it does. But I appreciate yeah. that he did it because Inception was a crazy idea and he went for it. Yeah. Uh, Tenet's a crazy idea and he went for it. And that's what I appreciate is he's trying to tackle these these ideas and he tries to make it work. And it's not always going to land perfectly because he jumped off the deep end 
and he's trying to figure out the landing as he's going. And to the that's for the most part, uh, you could you can argue the same thing for the Batman trilogy as well, where he did some ideas, and a lot of them worked, and some didn't. <laughs> and Tenet's the same thing. And what what helped the Batman series compared to like Tenet is these are established characters. So people do bring in some characterization when they're seeing these characters. Whereas here, these are fresh characters and there's not enough backing them up. There really isn't. When when he has to write his own characters, it's been true for all the movies that he's written. So I believe he wrote Memento, hmm. uh, he wrote Inception, and he wrote Tenet. And every time it's just, they feel so hollow. Yeah. This movie... A tenant might as well have been a advertisement for some type of uh, formal attire, mm-hmm. you, you know, whatever, pick whatever Hugo Boss or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just the suits were excellent, but <laughs> but that's all they were. They were just people walking around in suits. It wasn't it wasn't like a character that you empathized with and felt bad for. Mm-hmm. N- nothing like that, really. The only the character the the wife of what was it Chekhov <laughs> was that actually his name <laughs> no it was not Chekhov it was like we can we can go with that if you want um it was like it was Sergey was it Sergey oh god what the heck was his actual name it's like okay just look up the name is that it was that it <laughs> no uh that's probably he was a very Russian character that's Tenet. Uh, Andre. Okay. Andre. Uh, Cat is the Andre Sater. Yeah. Andre Sater. Cat and... is the name of the the, the wife yeah. slash partner of uh, the guy. Mm-hmm. She she you know sometimes I was like okay she's mm-hmm. kind of a she's kind of a character she she realizes her own destiny there so I, honestly I kind of liked what was happening. A problem was everyone was one note, very yes. one note. Um, yes. He's not a good writer. He yeah. he just isn't. And this, it's important to recognize your weaknesses and then hire someone to do this to strengthen that weakness. <laughs> like, yeah. he could have had, he could be like, I wrote all this and then I had this person punch up the dialogue or punch up the characterization for me because I can't do mm-hmm. that. It's good to recognize your faults and strengthen that. It, and those, there are great people who are capable of that. But I don't know if it's like because he's an auteur, he has to do it all himself or something. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> yeah, if that's the hype I, into him or himself or what. Usually he has his brother do stuff, but I don't. I don't know if he was busy or something because I know he does Westworld. I'm not sure what's going on with him or why he didn't have him do it. Um, overall, I think I think it's an okay movie. I wouldn't recommend it, and there's no way I'm going to go back and watch it. Nope. Even though it's the type of movie that might get better with a rewatch, uh, I'm just not going to. There's a moment in the movie, by the way, um, with the car stuff, where uh, one of the cars are damaged way early. I'm like, oh, oh, snap, okay. Like, there's clues to things that are going to happen later on, which was interesting. Or one of the cars was already yes. damaged. I'm like, oh, okay, yep. And then that moment happens. And they they make sure you see that happen. So I think it was very much on yep. purpose. He made sure you saw that, which was yep. interesting. They, like, I think there was the parts, yes, the, the parts where they let you in on how it worked, I really loved that. But mm-hmm. the action was really the only thing that I found to be engaging in it. I wasn't engaged with the characters, the story, didn't care about the doomsday plot, didn't care about yeah. anything, really, nothing. 
but I like the, some of the action sequences. Some of them, like the car chase, for example, is one of the worst examples uh, of interesting action in that movie. The trailer part where it like crashes is cool, but or it kind of crashes backwards. Mm-hmm. But the just driving backwards in a car in time, it's not that interesting. It looks yeah. kind of wonky. Yeah. But some of the some and even some of the fights were kind of weird too. Just certain things are cool in reverse, and some things mm-hmm. are not. It was entertaining watching how janky it was because it's going in reverse. I was yes. like, they're trying to make it work. And so it's janky as heck, and it's kind of funny seeing it be janky. And then you have the battlefield at the end where it's like, everything's going to be going in both directions. Right? <laughs> it's going to be going in both directions. This is going to be the jankiest yeah. thing possible. And people are complaining that you can't follow it. I'm like, could you ever follow a, a battlefield in any movie? Because you really can't. It's always a mess. Like, I'm not going to short tenet on this. It's just like, let's take advantage of the fact it's going to be chaos and just make it ridiculous. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't think that confusion of how the mechanics of time inversion or whatever mm-hmm. was the problem I, I think the movie had way more problems than that yeah. it was conf- it was hard to understand at first exactly but there were enough scenes where they showed you you know they showed you it kind of in plain sight where you could mm-hmm. see somebody going in somebody going out in one direction and the other you know you you got a sense enough to understand it and enjoy the movie i don't think it was too confusing in that sense maybe the ending threw people for a loop and then they were like wait what you know something like that because there were a couple things that were unsaid but implied by the ending yeah two or three things we were given visuals to tell us exactly what was going to happen i yeah i feel i really feel like you don't need to watch it twice to understand it unless you weren't paying attention i guess i think I think it you is... might appreciate it though. Yeah. You might appreciate some of the stuff. You might pick up. I'm sure there's so many things, like you said, of the car being already damaged. There's mm-hmm. probably so many things where it's like, oh yeah, wait, because they're going backwards. This is true. Yeah. This blah blah. I think what helped me is I I caught everything the first time through, so I don't think I have to watch mm-hmm. it again. There are movies where it's good to watch it a second time and a third time because what happens is when you watch it multiple times, you get to focus on different things. Like, the first time you watch it, it's the whole thing. And the next time you watch it, you notice things you didn't notice the last time. You watch it a third time, you might just start focusing on a character or something. You're like, oh, okay, these little subtle things about them. Or, like, things like that. Because the example is, every parent knows Frozen way too well. So, they really know, like, every beat of that movie because their kids wanted to watch that movie a bajillion times. So they know that movie inside and out, and they know all the little details, and they can appreciate something every time, or they can hate something new about it every time. And I think Tenet was a movie where the only reason to watch it again is if you blinked at the wrong time, I guess. Or if you just <laughs> didn't see this thing at this point or whatever. But I think I saw everything, All the I saw all the little hints here and there enough to like, yeah, okay, I get it. I don't... It, this is a more cerebral thought of, I feel like it depends on how much abstract thought you have to how well you could handle the movie. Maybe, yeah. Because I think as generations go, we're given more abstract concepts to deal with. And older generations don't have these abstract concepts that it, from their childhood to, get, to grasp onto. So I can see them not understanding some of these ideas. Hmm. Because our generation and younger generations are given... Just all these different concepts, anthropomorphization of things, different time travel concepts, 
we're given non-Euclidean ideas. We're given a lot of just different ideas that are presented to us, and we just try to kind of understand them, and to an extent we can, that we can consume a concept like this. Because I'll go, let's say, 15 or so years ago, Wally, Pixar's Wally. It's it's a robot. It's an anthropomorphized robot doing things, and that movie is ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The only reason why it's not one hundred percent is because one reviewer thought, "How the f- I don't who the hell was gonna connect with a robot and just gave it a, like a one star." <laughs> this whole thing was, I don't see how anyone can connect with this robot one star, because the abstract concept of people like objects or anthropomorphized objects uh, did not work for him. You're looking at one. Wow. I am uh, absolutely looking this up now. I'm looking up the review because I want to see if it's the guy who consistently gives like negative reviews to movies that are mm. praised really well. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Um, so I was looking at reviews of Tenet, and one guy's like, he didn't even do time travel right. I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? What time travel movie does time travel right, buddy? Um, there are ones that do time travel more believable than others. But... What I appreciate is Nolan wasn't doing time travel the way anyone else did. He tried a different concept of it, and that was reverse entropy. Like, all right, that's at least an interesting attempt at doing something different. And I can assure that Christopher Nolan thought put more thought into time travel than the critic did. That, like, I, I'm, I really think there's just a lot of whiteboards that had a lot of marks on them from Christopher Nolan no, trying to figure I, out what he's doing. I bet. I bet. I, I just think um, people will rush to give Christopher Nolan the genius. I think they um, rush in both directions. I think they also rush to say the genius has lost it. But it, to, to Christopher Nolan, I don't see a lot of people saying he's, you know, lost his touch or anything. I saw a I few just, of there's them. There's people that don't like him, but mm-hmm. I honestly think the majority of people are, let's put it this way. More than any other filmmaker working, people try to say that he's a genius or do say that he's a genius and are constantly looking to praise mm. him at every turn and anytime anyone has ever says anything about him and i actually like him but yeah. i'm just saying anytime anyone says anything like this movie's not the best or he probably should not write his own movies it people go no you just don't it's too complex uh, this was YouTube <laughs> comments. I, I was reading youtube comments and it never should do that but it was a masterpiece. People just didn't mm-hmm. understand. And I'm sitting there like, no, 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 I understood. But the problem is not <laughs> the, the fact that uh, I, it's too hard for me to understand. Yeah. It's the characters. I couldn't connect with them. There's yeah. nothing there. I don't Watch think Dunkirk, the concept was the problem. Dunkirk's, better. Dunkirk's a better movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think the, the concept was the problem with that movie. Uh, for, it was for some people. It was the characters. I agree with you on that. It was the characters. The characters are the problem. Yeah. Dunkirk. Good movie. <laughs> oh, did I talk over you when you mentioned Dunkirk? No, no. I just... You just oh, typed it? So. You just wanted to type it? Okay. Because um, that's the thought I was having was... The one thought I was thinking is, there's going to be a defense if you just didn't understand it. And I'm like, that doesn't work here. I don't really think it works here. I think it's... The only way you wouldn't understand this movie is if you just didn't have the abstract concept down. That's it. But I think we've done enough film. Like I think there's enough people alive who are going to get the concept, and that's not going to be the problem. Because yeah. it's not like some artsy movie where like, you just didn't get the art, the art ideas. Like It's more of, he's trying to do this kind of complex idea, and if you don't get it, it's fine not to get it. 
I don't think that's the problem with the movie. It's really yeah, yeah the characters are surface level. That's really the characters problem. Characters are are paper thin, and the mm-hmm. exposition is forty five minutes long. Yeah, and it's all delivered through dialogue. <laughs> the, I don't, from one character to the next. I honestly felt like we had enough exposition with the doctor at the start. I thought that was enough. Uh, when yeah. they then they got a little too in the they got a little too in the mud or in the a little too in the grain when the lady's explaining. So if a fire happens, it'll become ice. I'm like, that's too much. You're going too far. <laughs> they you, I, you <laughs> step too far. You know what's yeah. I think that came back later, but yeah, it does. It does. Why? Why did they? It, you know, we said it was like kind of a spy movie, but I find spy movies interesting. What happened in the first <laughs> forty-five minutes that would really qualify as a spy movie? There was like a they they scaled a building in an interesting way. Yeah, that was kind of cool. But what else happened that would you know? <laughs> there was talking. Is are spy movies just talking? I don't know. Well, I don't think so. It becomes this whole thing of, yeah, spy movies are a lot of talking. Like, it's talking, yeah, but I guess but... there's enough stakes to make you interested. Like the nebulous yeah, idea like of we're going to save the world. Out. Yeah, the nebulous concept of we're saving the world. We don't know what we're saving it from yet, but we're saving the world. Yeah, is a bit too nebulous, which hurts the stakes. And even when you get to the end of it, like I don't, I didn't really feel stakes. Yeah, okay, they're saving the world from this thing that's going to screw with it's time too big. But, it's too yeah. big you know the, the, uh, i think hitchcock once said that something about like if you put somebody's finger uh you know in between a in, in between a door and a you know the another you know, in between two doors basically and, and yeah. went went to like slam it you know like a car door or something mm-hmm. uh the viewer would be like horrified at that but you could you could show like a bomb going off and it, it just wouldn't even register. The the damage wouldn't even register even if it did untold damage. Because mm-hmm. one's more personal than the other. Right, because one is one is just so you understand that feeling. You have a, a very good uh conception of what a finger in a in a door feels like and, mm-hmm. and you know how much that hurts. But yet a bomb going off, it's too I, I think it was Hitchcock. I don't know if he said. I don't think the example is bomb either, though. Mm-hmm. Like Hitchcock could be because he was the master of showing but not telling. I'm like, it was. He was the master yeah. of like misdirection and showing you things that weren't actually it, but it made you feel a thing. That's something I found interesting with the violence towards the wife. Is all the violence towards her? He does it, but you don't see him do it to her. The way that Nolan cut it. Like, he punches her and he kicks her, but you don't see him do the blows. You just know he did them. And I was like, that's an interesting choice there. And then I'm like, wait, is this PG-13? Oh, it's PG-13. All right, okay. Very interesting to find it was PG-13, because there's actually, there's violence, but there's not a lot of it at the same time. No, yeah, it's done in an interesting way. The set pieces were interesting, but... Mm -hmm. Like, I found it interesting, like, the protagonist is like, why does my arm feel weird? Okay, why is it ble- It's bleeding a lot. I'm like, <laughs> and I just, I just really want him to say, like, oh, I really wish I didn't stab myself in a moment. Because <laughs> it, it was because he did it to himself. And, like, you knew he was going to be fighting himself. Like, there's a point when you realize, oh, it's him fighting himself. At some point in the movie, you realize, oh, yeah, that scene in the art area, it's them fighting themselves. 
there was good little characterization, but it's not, I guess, not enough. Like, when they're prepping for the breathing, because they know they got to hold their breath for 45 seconds, that was a fun sequence. That was a really fun sequence. That was one of the best ones. Mm-hmm. You had that, you had the scaling the building was an interesting set piece. Yeah. I like the entire sequence where you had the two, uh, you had, like, the window or the big glass wall, I guess. Yeah. And you had the, the characters going the two different directions. That was cool because you, you understood what was happening at that point. That was the the one that really explained the, the whole time inversion thing. Yeah. And Outside of that, I don't know what else was a really interesting moment. The, the painting thing was the best. I think you're right. Like That was a good scene because that's just a straightforward scene happening there. Uh, when he's fighting himself after the painting scene is is just kind of funny to watch. And I could watch that again just because of how janky it was, it was kind of funny, but also just, you know, they're trying to do this thing in backwards. And because yep. they're trying to do it in reverse, it just looks funny, because they're trying to make <laughs> it work. And just, on a different level, just trying to appreciate the actors trying to make that work was kind of entertaining. Because you have, wonder, like... Hmm? What would that scene look like if you actually hit reverse on it? I'm curious. That's also curious, though, yeah. I... Maybe it would actually it would just look janky both ways. Maybe I'm not sure because I assume both versions were done in reverse. Uh, they didn't just do one one cut and then play it forward the second time. They just kept they just did it reverse both times, and so the actors have to exert themselves in some backwards way both times. Yeah. And what's fu- what what was also funny for me was the journey of the gun. Like, that gun that gets destroyed at the start of the fight, because it's the end of the fight. That that gun travels with them the entire fight. And it was just funny, like, well, this gun's just going everywhere. It keeps getting kicked and picked up, kicked and picked up, dropped and picked up. Just funny, just the story of this gun's adventure with these two guys, with the same guy fighting himself before it gets destroyed. It was funny to me. Yeah, I'm tr- I'm tr- I looked it up. I'm going to see... This is the one. Like, there is a program you can use that can reverse a video for you. I don't know if Premiere lets you do that. Maybe. Well, you'd have to go in and chop it up and go backwards on it, probably. Um, I don't know what else there is to say. Like, both movies, Wonder Woman and Tenet are both flawed movies. Like, they're entertaining in a lot of ways, but they're also t- flawed in a lot of ways as well. And... A frustration I have is people are like, well, Tenet wasn't great, so no one's done. Like, are you kidding me? That's not how this works. No, he'll be fine. He just should yeah. write his own scripts. Mm-hmm. That or he should he can write them and then have someone punch it up. I think that's the way you can do it. It's just he has it, then he gets like a script doctor. There's... He, I think, it actually works the other way where he isn't usually the one writing. He might have an idea. Mm-hmm. And then tell somebody the idea, hey, I want to make a movie about this. And then they go off and write it. And I think after that, he hmm. then is the guy that, that, I don't want to say punches it up, but he's kind of saying, okay, I'll take this, I'll take this, I'll take this. And then he hmm. reworks the script. That's, I think, how it works with his brother. Okay. Okay. Because I'm not too deep on how it is. Like, because, because, like, everyone has strengths and weaknesses and what they make or what they do. Like, for me, as, as a hobby, I've, I've written a bunch of books. But the dialogue is atrocious in all of it. 
The dialogue is bad. <laughs> the concepts are fun. The action's fun, but the dialogue's awful. If I ever wanted to like publish a book, I'd have to go to someone like, hey, can you fix the dialogue in this whole freaking book? <laughs> because it's just bad. I know I don't do good dialogue. And so I feel like if you know your weaknesses, you just find someone who can strengthen it for you. He's like, yeah, dialogue's my weakness. Like, can you punch this up? Can you make this dialogue better? But it still fits the characterization. So I feel like that's something he could do is, this is, like, he's like, this is a pretty good concept. I got all these action ideas in my head. Can I get someone to just help me characterize it characterize it better? Okay, I don't know. Curious to see pick, what he has next. You can only pick one movie. Which one's better? What's the better movie? Out of these two? Yeah. That's a hard pick. <laughs> Do you I, really? I don't want to watch either one again, honestly. Well, I'm in the same boat. I, the first 45 minutes of Tenet killed it for me, but maybe I don't know. Tenet's less flawed, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I almost want to say I had less fun watching Tenet. I don't know. Some of it was fun. I loved dude. The opening. The opening was in IMAX uh screenings because I, I saw it when i saw uh, uh the last jedi no it's yeah the last jedi is that the wait is that the ninth movie uh rise of skywalker is the ninth movie never mind yeah that one because oh, <laughs> they, they were showing they were showing the, the first 10 minutes and i was captivated by the first 10 minutes of tenet and i was like oh man this is amazing mm -hmm. and then when i actually saw the whole movie but yeah so I don't know. What, what do you think? You got? Would <laughs> you have to watch one of them again? Which one do you watch? <laughs> They're both messes. I okay. Okay, I'll go with Tenet again just to see what details I might have missed. Okay. But, because Wonder Woman was, I tried my best to take it seriously, <laughs> and I kept getting pushed out of it by the movie itself. Wonder Woman kept pushing me out of it. I was like, <laughs> it's like, I'm trying to, I'm just, I'm trying to enjoy this movie. I'm trying to just, uh, be here, be present in the movie. And the movie just like, get the fuck out. You know, I'm like, no, you don't stop. Stop trying to suspend disbelief. What are you doing? I just, I don't know. I could, I could probably watch Wonder Woman one again. I don't want to, but I could Two, I can't oh, yeah, watch, I again. watch it again. Um, I don't know. Like, there are movies where I'm like, you're good watching it once. And there's movies where I'm like, yeah. you could watch it again and again and again and again. Would uh, you recommend this to either movie to that's the anyone? Thought. Um, I'd recommend Tenet as a, as a single view. As a single viewing, I'd recommend Tenet. Because it's just an interesting, con it's an interesting abstract concept to at least explore once. Yeah. Wonder Woman, no. <laughs> <laughs> they could have had so much more fun with the wishes they could have had better characterization with a lot of things they could have had more Chris Pine I guess they could have had more Pedro Pascal was pretty good he acted pretty well Chris Pine no, acted pretty good. well they could have done more of that they could have explored the ethics of what was going on with Chris Pine's character because yep. he himself was like this ain't right I know this isn't right at some point I gotta get out of here like I can't be in this guy's body I, he was more opposed to the idea from the standpoint of this can't last forever yeah it wasn't so much wait i am in someone else's body doing things that they wouldn't want to do mm -hmm. 
or they can't consent to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like the ethics of it was, I think it was adding up to him, though. I really, maybe I'm inferring too much. Uh, but he was the only character that cared, honestly, about yeah, that fact. Yeah. She didn't care. No, she, she did not. not care. She's like, no, I want you. I don't care. Um, and that was an interesting difference between the two of them. And they don't have an. They should have had an argument about that. They didn't really have an argument about that. The ethical question there. That could have been better. Like, yeah, I can't be this guy forever. Like, I died. I'm gone. It's it's been fun, but you know, we had sex with this body, by the way. That wasn't okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, I understand him being wrapped up in the moment, the first night. He's like, I'm alive again. Last time I was, last time I was alive, I was in a plane. I, I made a very big decision. And now I'm here. Here's the woman I love and all this. And yeah, let's go. Let's, let's go. And just the ethics of that is not the best. If it was, re if the genders were reversed, oh God, we would be hearing about it. Yeah, not really. That, that was really messed up. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like we'd be hearing a lot more about it if it was different. If it was, like, mm -hmm. I guess Batman, and he wished back a girlfriend or something. And they went at it. And he's like, oh no, that ain't okay. That ain't okay at all. Yeah. That's um, completely fair. I think you're right. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of insensitive stuff that just, mm -hmm. it just wasn't handled well you know like when you think of a great comedian they handle stuff that is difficult to talk about but they do it in a funny way and they avoid all of the pitfalls that someone who is dumber and less capable would would stumble in you know like all the hang-ups that people would have about talking about it mm -hmm. they find a way to construct something so that you don't have those issues yeah uh, and then when you think of wonder woman <laughs> just and how it's written it's the same kind of idea where you have all these controversial kind of things and instead of avoiding the hang-ups they literally fall flat on every single spot that you would be like oh look, watch out watch out don't don't hit that no, ran into it <laughs> yeah it's it just feels like they didn't think about it or they just didn't have a person look at it and go like you know this ain't right you know this is also not right this isn't right either that's not good either that's I, it, I don't know. It, they're also fast-tracking the third movie, by the way. They, I saw that, yeah. They're like, it was such a big success. How do you gauge success with a strange movie? I don't know. They must have a way to do it, but I found that surprising, actually, because I don't... From what I can tell, it doesn't seem like it... It didn't do well in the theaters that it was in. The problem is... I, you can't... I don't think you can judge things on the first night... Or, like, first week, because that is just how well did you... Like, because the first week, I feel, is an indicator of how well you did in advertising. Like, I think the first week is the indicator of how well the commercials did, how well the hype people did, not how well the movie did. I think yeah. weeks two, three, and four, whatever, are an indication of how good a movie is, because if you drop off or climb up after the first week, it's because people were like, oh, this was really good, you gotta check it out. Or they're like, this sucked, don't check it out. Yeah. I ended up uh, I forget what movies I avoided and what movies I'm like oh this is good and no one's talking about it I, no, I'm gonna talk about it then there's yep. been movies like that I'm like this is worth it and it's rare but there are movies where the first week didn't do Jack and then it climbed up um, or, or finding a life afterwards mm -hmm. after it's like cult followers yep it's also that um 
so I really feel like the first week's just an indication of how well the advertising was. Like, Wonder Woman got a... Also, it's just people watched it because maybe they just had HBO Max or what else are they going to watch right now? Because I spend, let's say, maybe $200 on movies a, a year. I go yeah. and watch movies. That $200 didn't get spent this year. So I could do, uh, which I did, was HBO Max to watch Wonder Woman. I can do yep. that because that movie theater money didn't get spent. So that's the same thing with a lot of people. They're like, well, I didn't go out to see movies, so I can do a HBO Max for a month to watch this movie. And I'm sure that's what happened. It's because it's the same thing as Netflix come like this was the mo like when Bright happened with Will Smith and the ogre guy. He's like, <laughs> they're like, this is the most viewed movie. This beats all the box offices because by our math, Garbage. it does. It's like, no. Hey, that and there's actually there's actually questions about how exactly they even measure a view mm -hmm. like is it just the first minute do you watch the whole movie did you watch 90 percent? honestly i think they might even be just did you look at the poster on <laughs> netflix like did you examine it with your eyes and if you did yep you saw it yeah i wonder when they do the autoplay ads if they count those i really wonder about that i'm sure they're not being honest about mm -hmm. it because the whole idea, the whole thing is fake it till you make it. Honestly, it's a lot of fake it till you make it. So it's like, yeah, we have these great numbers, so more people will want to watch it, and then the great numbers actually come true. Or just to look good, because you gotta keep stock the stock orders. price up. What's interesting though is you're legally not allowed to lie to your stockholders. So when they have those big stock meetings, they have to tell the truth. Like, okay, yeah, uh, we inflated these numbers for advertising purposes, not you know. Uh, not to well, do this or that, but there you go. When I'm saying they're not being honest, though, like what you're saying is, I mean, we're both kind of saying it, but mm -hmm. you know, they're they're finding different ways to define watched. Yeah. That aren't necessarily when you know someone pays for a ticket, they go in and watch it. Mm -hmm. You know, they might leave or something, but ninety-seven, nine, whatever, ninety-nine mm -hmm. percent are sitting through and watching the entire thing because there's a commitment to it. Whereas with streaming, there's no commitment. You know, you have no idea if someone's going to stick around and watch the whole thing, how long they watch it for. And so when they say that someone watched it, yeah. you really have no idea what that means. Mm -hmm. Like they could have just had the movie on and did something. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's an unfortunate thing, but they, they try to hype it up and it's like, well, some people will buy that and some people will not buy that BS. And so I I feel like they're more shooting themselves in the foot thinking Wonder Woman was this big success. Because I don't yeah. have any interest in seeing a third right now. If that's what they're doing, I don't want to see a third at the moment. Like, I'll wait and let everyone else tell me if it's worth watching. Because that's what happened yeah. here. I'm like, 84, I'm like, uh, I'll wait and see what everyone else thinks. Oh, 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 Titanium Steel wants to rant about it. Well, I better watch it now. <laughs> that's the only reason why i watched it is because you're like you want to talk about it all right i'll watch it yeah i uh, I, I don't want to see another one but mm. they're gonna do it it's the same you know they got to keep these things moving uh, yeah. who knows what they'll do with the rest of the characters but poor writing job i, I actually was disappointed because Patty, you know, Patty Jenkins, I actually thought really high of her after seeing Wonder Woman because mm -hmm. I, I, there's a lot of, she made a lot of good decisions in the first movie and I don't know what happened in the second one where she was just not there or she was in charge of too much. I don't know what happened, but that's disappointing, especially, you know, thinking about her potentially doing a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Uh, 
or you know she is doing one i think right like yeah. for sure until star wars is, until disney decides to cut ties again like they keep like we're gonna have these directors not anymore we're gonna have this director not yeah. anymore. i don't know anymore um we'll the see. one thing i don't want to give him credit but apparently Zack snyder had input on wonder woman one and had no input on two i saw that yeah so i'm like i don't want to i don't really want to entertain that too much but i don't know maybe it is having what? another eye on it but I, also i, I argue too it... many cooks is bad so i don't know I, well, I wonder if his input was from a action standpoint because the mm. Wonder Woman action of the first one was very much like what Zack Snyder likes to do. Yeah. With all the, the slow motion stuff. There's like time ramps and things. I don't know. And then, that, that felt more like Zack to me than anything else in the movie. Yeah. Well, two's action was not that great. Like, there's... There's there's a split on the mall scene. Some people really like it, some people don't. I'm like, it was okay. It was it was okay. Um it wasn't fully thought out because it's just the silly things we already brought up. Like just dropping yeah. them on a police car. What see Spider-Man doing that? That'd be a dick move. Like dang right. Yeah. Uh or just like to keep it a secret. Like to who? <laughs> um Also the invisible jet was hilarious. I was like, they're, they're going to have the Invisible Jet, are you kidding me? <laughs> well, the problem Somehow with that whole thing... Yeah, the problem with that whole thing is, how does Chris Pine know how to fly a jet? He shouldn't know how to fly a jet. He knows how to fly a he plane. Yeah. And I was waiting for him to be like, okay, we're here. And I was waiting for him to grab a manual, or I was waiting for her to tell him how to fly a jet. <laughs> because Wonder Woman flies a jet in the comics, which means she knows how to fly a jet. Because, as we saw, she's obsessed kind of with getting over, with trying to get over, with not getting over him. Yeah, yeah. She had a ranch in his name, which I assume the ranch is supposed to be, this is where she was during World War II. I thought they were going to bring up World War II. She's like, there was a second World War? <laughs> I thought the first one was the one to end all wars. I was waiting for a joke about that, but nothing. Did they not have that joke? No, they didn't mention World War II at all. Oh. Okay. I was hoping for also. How did she get access to a jet? Is it's not explained very well, but she just puts up a badge and then they have a jet all of a sudden. But people aren't okay with her flying it. Uh, I don't know if they were stealing a jet or if she somehow had access to one or what. That was not characterized it's, very well. It seemed like she just walked in and stole one from the Smithsonian or whatever. That was my guess. It was a Smithsonian jet. It was the only guess I've got. Uh, but usually they don't why, give you a functioning gas? jet. <laughs> Yeah, why was it? Why was it working? I don't. Yeah. I just don't quite. Whatever. I can't think about this movie anymore. Okay. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted <laughs> having talked about both of these movies that are bad. Or not. I shouldn't say bad, but whatever. Yeah. They're I'll all right. I'll say they're all right. Like there are bad movies like out there. <laughs> I take back what I said about Wonder Woman. I didn't like that movie. <laughs> I like. Genuinely, I liked the only thing because I keep going back to this. The only thing I really liked was seeing Pedro Pascal bleed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you keep bringing that up. Like, it was a good consequence, I felt. It was just fun. That's all. It was just fun. So, At the end of the day, it. fun's important. If you're getting that, you're getting that, so... That's it, Scarf. I can't, I can't even... I can't even speak anymore. My brain... <laughs> my brain is done. I never want to talk about these movies again. I appreciate that you tried, because you said you wanted to do three hours, and we're almost there. So... Wow. We can stop now. That's fine. Um, so it was fun talking. I cannot believe yes. we, we talked so much. And we we really 
talked a lot about these movies. Um, Happy New Year, everyone. This is recorded on the first of the New Year's. I'll get this out as soon as I can. Other things are happening, but... And I'll Happy try to get plenty of guests uh, on the podcast in the future. But, of course, Smith will happen again. Look, Titanium Steel will happen again. <laughs> Titanium Steel it's just, lasts. It's just a bit. It's just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> It's a completely bit for now. Bit. Um, bits happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, you'll be on sometime in the future again. I'm sure. I don't know what movies are coming up. I don't even know. Like the schedule got effed by by the pandemic. I don't know what's going yeah. on anymore. Probably um, the Disney Star Wars stuff again when mm-hmm. that starts up. I'll watch one of those things, and that'll probably be it. I I don't know. <sighs> Maybe I'll check out the Boba. Maybe I'll check out Ahsoka. I don't care about the Bad Batch. Um, I don't know. I j- the one thing to appreciate, though, at the end of the day, is we have an embarrassment of wealth of content we can enjoy. That's the one nice thing. We're in an age where there's so much we can watch that we... It's too much. Yeah, there's too much. That You just gotta pick something and go. Like, There's just too many things to enjoy. There's a fandom, there's a fandom for everything. So there's someone to talk to about whatever you want to watch. So that's Ugh. nice. Like, you don't have to watch everything. There are people who are there like, you got to watch this. I can talk to these friends about this. You got to watch it. Like, just pick a thing and watch it. Yeah. Before you don't watch anything, because that also happens. <laughs> All right. But there you go. So thank you for coming on. Thank and you. And we'll see who our next guest is. So I had fun. Hope you're watching. That's what's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time.